the blast from our past network. Hey, this is Jeanette Goldstein of Aliens, T2, Titanic, other films for Podcasting After Dark. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Horror Express, starring Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, and Telly Savalas. Hey everybody, welcome to another eye-bleeding episode of Podcasting After Dark. I am your one half of your amazing host team, Zach Schaefer, and joining me as always is my co-host, Corey! Hey! <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this is a first for me because I'm getting to kind of kind of run the show uh, from the get-go, which is... I don't mean to rhyme, but you know, let's. <laughs> I don't have the time. No, fuck that. Uh, <laughs> no, hey one. guys, I'm Corey. Are you uh, as excited as, as I am to talk about our 1972 masterpiece, Horror Express? Oh, you know it, baby. I am prepared to talk for at least three hours straight about Telly Savalas in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> as as one should, um, because Telly Savalas kind of is a show stealer. And, you know, he, he's pretty phenomenal. Wow. Wowie. Wow. Wowerton. <laughs> yeah, dude, this was, this was a wild ride. Um, I'll just kind of dig into it to start us off. Uh, yeah, yeah. this is, this is my first, you know, uh, time viewing it. This was Zach's pick and hence why he's introing it. We're, we're kind of starting something new. Whoever picks the movie is going to be the one that sort of starts the episode. Um, I never mm-hmm. meant to like sort of take it all like it just I it sort of we fell into like a a thing you know so we're trying to mix it up um but this is my first viewing of it and between the time that uh Zach sent it to me I've watched it twice now just to kind of get a handle on it and I am so happy that I a didn't know anything about this movie I've seen the cover like I've seen images of it I I've I know of its existence but I don't know anything about it so I got it from you. We posted the video, yada, yada, yada. And my wife was like reading the back of the cover and she was like, oh, oh, this, oh, this sounds interesting. But I was like, I was like, I was <laughs> nice. like, I don't want to know, you know, I, I was like, I don't want to know at all. You know, I want to go in completely blind. And it was a roller coaster for me because I had no clue what it was about or where it was going. And let me tell you, it goes into some fun places. Well, first of all, thank you, Myra, for the uh, initial shout out love. Because, <laughs> the endorsement. <laughs> uh, yeah, because honestly, this this is a first for me, and I'll, and I'll explain why in a minute. But um, I was nervous going into this pick because up until this point, we have chosen movies that have pretty much started in the 80s and early 90s. And I was digging a little deeper because my thinking was um, – you know, being the premise of the show, podcasting after dark, I thought, why not pick something from like the the inception of creepy factor movies in my life? And I chose this movie based on it being literally the first movie I saw uh, on TV twenty in Detroit, Creature Feature Saturdays, 
Um, and it just freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> and it is a 1972 film, Horror Express. Uh, the tagline, if you go on IMDb, it says, In 1906, in China, a British anthropologist discovers a frozen prehistoric creature and must transport it to Europe by train. Which is basically, yeah, it's the opening gist. Yeah, that's the the gist, but there's so much more to it. <laughs> Ooh, there's so much more. And and there's so much more on on a on a on a way deeper level. Yeah. Um I watched this recently with our good buddy Diallo and he the whole time he's going, "Whoa, this is actually more sophisticated than maybe it's supposed to be." Uh that's that know? was, you know what that that's great. I didn't even use those words in my head but now that you said it that's kind of was my feeling the entire time that I was watching it um, and, and I'll tell you after a certain point because up until a certain point I was like oh wait is this silly and then yeah. I was like oh wait no it's not this is actually kind of smart and yeah. I, I think it is it's a lot more sophisticated than it has kind of any right to be and it's it's really I mean it's quite remarkable yeah, it it was. It, I mean, it came out. It, it pretty much came and went when it came out, um, and then it's it's literally a cult classic because horror purists know about it, of course. But if you just watch, if you just ask like the the, the typical horror fan, they're not going to know this movie. Uh, it's not going to track on their radar. But it came out when at a weird time when like it, it has kind of elements of hammer horror, which I'm a huge fan of, and stars two of the hammer horrors best in my opinion, but it's not, but it, but it was kind of a, at a dying time when that era of movies was like starting to slowly end. It's rated R, which is really weird because it doesn't feel like an R rated movie, but by, I guess 70 well, standards. It yeah. Is. I was, I was going to say it actually is quite gory, uh, especially when they start doing the autopsies on That's the bodies true. and stuff. And I was like, and, and, you know, comparing it to nowadays, it looks quaint and cute, but I, I think we all have the ability to sort of insert ourselves into the mindset of those times, especially yeah. since we watch a lot of these horror movies and stuff. And we've seen the evolution of the horror genre. And yeah, I, I can see how it could be a little gruesome, especially with the, the whole popping the, you know, the top of the head off and, you know, looking at oh, the yeah. brain and stuff, even though it's done more of like uh, as a scientific stuff, but the the gore in it is is actually not not bad. It's actually pretty good. Decent gore and pretty phenomenal special effects, at, and we'll get to that too. <laughs> oh, yeah. My biggest Mama amazement Mia. was the glowing eyes. Yes. Like how well they did that effect yes. on the character's <laughs> face with, yes. with no LED lights back in the 70s. Like now you can do stuff like that with LEDs because they're so small and they don't give off heat. I have no clue how they did the effects of the eyes. Yeah, I, I wish, uh, unfortunately, and we'll talk about that as well, uh, the extras included on the Blu-ray are not as extensive I, as I would have hoped, uh, but at least there's something on this for a movie that kind of came and went. So Yeah, and after watching them, my takeaway is that there probably just wasn't much out there to begin with for yeah. Arrow video to sort of you know co compile, but the stuff that they did put on there is, is good, but I think the real sort of selling point of this Blu-ray is the restoration of the original print because, as you were saying earlier, it didn't come out to a lot of fanfare, especially not here in the 
States. From yeah. my understanding, the dis- the distribution company who put it out, um, I shoot, it was just at the top of my tongue. I totally forgot who what they were called, but they did not they did not put a lot of money behind it. And I've even they even mentioned on the documentary that like the the print that it worked off of was like a crappy print and everything. Like it was almost yeah. like a work print that they that they struck the masters off of and everything. It's like holy crap. So, but watching this for the very first time, I mean, it's beautiful. This movie is gorgeous. It's yeah. absolutely amazing looking, even though it t- takes place in essentially one location. If you if you count a train with multiple cars as one location, it's yeah. essentially one location almost during the entire film. But they do such a good job of keeping the cinematography interesting that it, you, you kind of can't even tell. But... Side note about old sleazy C over here. I love <laughs> things that take place in one location. Like, for example, like uh, TV shows like Cheers or something. Uh, movies like, for example, like maybe Feast. Like things yeah. that take place in yeah. one location. I just love them. They 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 feel comforting for some reason. Um, but I I do know that they only had two cars to film on, and yep. when they were filming on one car, they would be dressing the set of the other car, and then you know just kind of going back and forth, back and forth type of thing. And and then for the exterior stuff, they used a lot of miniatures, which I always love miniatures. I and, love me some miniatures too. Yes. Right? But it didn't yeah. look like miniatures. That's yep. what was great about it. I, at first, I didn't even – I mean, you can sort of tell occasionally, but for the most part, I was actually kind of um, um, shocked like the, you know, that it was all miniatures with the train stuff. Yeah, I will say that for the, the shortcomings that this film has uh, are definitely – are definitely made up for by all the other amazing things in this movie. And I agree with you. I love, I love films that take place in one location. Uh, And I love train movies. Like I love, uh, I love trains. No, uh, you know, murder on the Orient express obviously goes back in the day that that's one of the more popular ideas. And they, and they kind of borrow a little bit of elements from that in this movie, like a whodunit. Um, but also, like I was thinking of the seventy, that late early eighties slasher movie Terror Train with Jamie Lee Curtis is really good. Um, <laughs> right the, when I opened your package, yeah. that's immediately what I thought this was. Oh, Terror Train. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you, you will open a package eventually from me, and Terror Train will be <laughs> yeah. in there. It's just not available very cheaply on DVD yet, yeah. uh, but or Blu-ray. But uh, but yeah, like you know, the modern day ones like Train to Busan and Snowpiercer, mm-hmm. and you know, train movies are fun. You know, so, uh, and even the under siege part two, but, um, I'm actually kind of a fan of that movie, but, uh, yeah, no horror express. Uh, I, I originally, like I said, like I told you earlier, I saw this as a kid creature feature Saturdays on Detroit TV. Uh, but then it came out on image DVD when DVDs were first coming out image company, which is, I think got bought out by universal. It was kind of like the early day Kino Lorber, which is a like smaller, blu-ray company uh they put out a bare bones edition of this which wasn't so bad and then when i realized that arrow put out a blu-ray version of this i thought yeah this is why i'm picking this movie because i want to see a pristine beautiful copy and yeah it does it has that i really love the movie um uh the fearless vampire killers or pardon Mm. me but your teeth are in my neck Mm. it's directed by um um oh god the guy who uh unfortunately uh roman polanski 
Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yes, he did do that. Yep. I yeah, and it's you know outside of him being he, who, however you want to judge him, uh, that movie's a really beautiful film, and I just love the colors and the richness, especially when it takes place at like night and and you know dark and and it reminded me of that for some reason. Yeah. Um, but this movie, Horror Express, let's just jump right into it. Mm-hmm. It's directed by Gene Martin. Uh, he doesn't really have that big of a resume, so I will just <laughs> not, go with that. Not to be confused with Dean Martin. <laughs> yes, not not, Gene, not Dean Martin, but Gene Martin. And it's I think it's Eugenio. Uh, yeah. And, and it's written by Arnaud de Usso and Julian Zemet. Uh, not to be confused with Adrian Zemed, but that's a whole other story. Um, and it stars Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing and Telly Savalas. And I'm just going to, obviously, you know, those three names, but I'm just going to say Christopher Lee, <laughs> Corey, uh, on Facebook was, you know, jokingly going back. Oh, that's, uh, Count Dooku. Dooku. Down Count Dooku. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's also the. The motherfucker from uh, he's the original Dracula, dude. Like yeah, not the original Dracula, but for me, for me, I, yeah, he holds my place as being the creepiest Dracula for me. And Peter Cushing in my play holds the 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 best Van Helsing. And they were in one of my favorite Hammer horror films of all the times called Horror of Dracula. Okay, uh, and then they did a bunch of movies together. I mean, Peter Cushing played. Uh, Sherlock Holmes in Hound of Baskervilles and Christopher Lee was the villain in that. Yeah. Like they played villain back and forth. This is the first time they were actually, uh, one of the first times where they were teaming up together. Um, I, I can't off the top of my head think of the other time. Yeah, I know that they did a lot of Hammer stuff together yes. and everything, and I know that yeah, it's 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 all fun and games that I call Christopher Lee Count Dooku, but in actuality, my like most experience with both of these actors, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, are Star Wars. It yeah, is Star yeah. Wars, but so with knowing that and kind of with that in the background, so I'm watching this now and I'm like, holy fuck. I can see why these guys were stars. Like, they're so good. And that's not so to good. say I've never seen earlier Peter Cushing and and um, Christopher Lee movies, but this is, the, this is the one time that I've actually, like, really paid attention to what I was watching. As we discuss, you know, doing this podcast, the one thing we love about it is it gives us a reason to really pay attention to when, when we watch a movie as opposed to, like, being on our phone or something that we, you know, we all tend to do as, as adults now. And yeah. uh, and, I, and I'm watching it, and I'm like... Man, I, I just I loved Christopher Lee and I loved so Peter Cushing and yeah. I was just like, wow, I I get it. Like instantly, like I get the appeal. Not that I didn't get it before, but I get it now outside of Star Wars, essentially. And and what I love about them uh, on a on a backstory note is that they have a really great relationship mm-hmm. offset, and they were like buddies. And and on a sad note, I guess apparently. Um, Peter Cushing's wife died before they started making this movie. Yeah. And he was just dev- devastated by it. And Christopher Lee was like, you got to do this movie. It, it's the best way to kind of process your grief. And they were such good friends that like they slept in the same bed together. And, uh, 
you know, P- Peter Cushing was like a mess. Well, because well, he time. was, yeah, apparently he was having like night terrors and whatnot. Yeah. And, uh, and Christopher Lee kind of just, yeah, stayed in bed with him <laughs> just to kind of like keep, be comforting. I mean, my God, what a, what a great friend. And I mean, I, dude, yeah, I've dude. heard that, I heard that when, uh, Peter Cushing, you know, when his, when his wife passed away, uh, I don't know if it was sudden or what happened, but he was so distraught that apparently he started like running up and down the stairs just to try to give himself a heart attack so he could die. Like yeah. he did that for like 45 minutes or like it basically is as long as his body could handle it. I mean, I just, that's crushing to me. Yeah. Like to, to I, lose, yeah. you know, I don't even know what I would do if I lost Myra. It's just, it's unbelievable to me. And I find that infinitely sad. Now, when I was watching this movie, knowing all that, I thought that that happened in between this movie and Star Wars. I didn't know it was prior to this movie. He, as an actor, does a fantastic job of of um, burying it, you know, and just moving through it. So I, I, yeah. I, I guess it was cathartic in some way. Yeah, I think, um, you know, knowing that now and watching this performance and knowing kind of the because Christopher Lee is the lead actor in this movie and Peter Cushing is like the, the kind of the sidekick in a way. Yeah. Uh, but knowing their relationship and knowing what he went through, it, it just that shows you what an amazing talent he is. Yeah, he's an actor and people will be like, well, that's what actors do. Yeah, but there's a, there's a gravitas that these yeah. guys have. And it's like a classic, you know, you see it parodied by so, so perfectly well with um, Roddy McDowell in Fright Night. Uh, parodying Peter Cushing, you know, and, 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 but Peter Cushing was like back in the day and Christopher Lee too, for all you young fans out there of horror, like check out their early shit. Like, you know, uh, Christopher Lee was a amazing villain and, and Peter Cushing was an amazing hero. And then this, they kind of both play heroes in a way. Yeah. Uh, and then hammer horror films back in the day were the shit. They were the shit. Like there's so many great hammer horror films. Um, and, 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 and this kind of feels like a hammer horror film, but it's not, it's, it's not a connected to that. Yeah, and I've, again, I've seen, like, some Hammer Horror films here and there, you know, nothing that really just kind of solidifies itself in my brain, but as I was watching this, I did get that distinct impression that it had that vibe, that Hammer Horror film vibe to it, which, which I love, I love that vibe, I think that's an awesome vibe, and I hope to God this is not the last time that we see Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing on Podcasting After Dark, because I, I am a new fan, essentially, of them, even though, like I said, they've been in my life my entire life I mean I've known who both of them are forever but like I was just I was enamored uh by them and then and then walks in telly mother fucking Savalas like (laughs) like he's in the last act he's in the third act he's only in it for like 15 20 minutes minutes, well like 20 minutes of uh, like in the movie but he's only in it for like 10 minutes but he absorbs Every Choose. bit Choose. of energy that's on that screen for yep. any point in time that he's he's on it, and you are just you can't take your eyes off of him. You no. don't know what he's going to do next because everything he's doing is just amazing. And uh, I mean, I've seen Telly Savalas in plenty of things before. I probably have seen him more in stuff than you know the other two guys. Uh, just growing up watching movies with my dad, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, Kelly's Heroes, right? Stuff like that. Yeah, and he was and in Kojak, but yeah, you know, he was in he was in a horror film called uh, which ties into podcasting after dark called Lisa and the Devil, okay. uh, which is a great 
uh, a kind of Italian horror film. I think Mario Bava directed it. And that oh. came out in the, in the 70s, around the same time. After Horror Express. Might have been 76. Okay. That's worth checking out because he's, he's so creepy in that. But yeah, he is a, a scene chewer. Every... Every uh, dime he was paid for this movie, and apparently he was paid, paid a pretty pretty penny, uh, he, he earned it. I mean, you know, there's a reason some people get paid more than others, you know? Like, it's <laughs> yeah. just they, they bring something to the table, and Telly Savalas, he brought everything to the table. Yeah. Like, like literally in my head, I, I'm just, like, picturing Gary Oldman from The Professional going, everybody! Like, he, he literally brought everything to the table, and every piece of it was amazing. I, yeah. I love Telly Savalas in this, dude. Seriously. I, I love that. I, well, you know, I think about, like, famous cameos in movies where of course uh the one that's always hilarious to, to talk about is steven seagal and executive decision in the first 15 not even 15 minutes first 10 minutes he's in and then he's gone you're like yeah wait what <laughs> you know uh but then you think about like good cameos from actors where they 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 really chew the scenes and and telly savalas does if you don't know who telly savalas is he's not just kojak he wasn't just a cop on a tv show like he's way more deeper than that and in yeah. this he proves that even if you know his accent is not uh you know geographically accurate but who gives a shit it's telly <laughs> yeah. savalas baby had zero accent <laughs> yeah <laughs> because he was probably like i'm telling you savalas damn it i can do whatever the hell i want i know so. and, it, and it didn't even matter man it didn't even matter because you were like that character is a motherfucking badass he is a badass so and and that being said the rest of the cast is kind of a cavalcade of like hammer noticeable people if you watched hammer movies you recognize them if you didn't you're gonna be like I don't even know who the hell that person is. Right. But it's not really important. No. Because um, if you don't if you don't know who they are, it doesn't matter. They all do a spectacular yes. job in this film. No one no one slacks at all in this movie. No. No, no. So with that being said, let's jump into this motherfucker. For two million years in these subterranean caves, a creature of superhuman evil was entombed in a wall of ice. Waiting to be free. Waiting to live again. Travel with us on a journey into a world where nightmare becomes reality. Are you telling me? That an ape that lived two million years ago got onto that crate, killed the baggage man, and put him in there. Yes, I am. It's alive. It must be. Travel with us, if you dare, on the Horror Express. Search the train and find it, whatever it is, and destroy it. But if it's alive... I want this kept quiet. I don't want to panic the passengers. The malignant power of this creature is indestructible, transferring its force from mind to mind, from body to body. 
Please let's do, and with that being said, the first shot of the film when the, the, the train goes by yes. and the camera kind of it goes to the left like before the the, the credits and everything yes. you can see the goddamn cameraman's shadow right there on the ground and i'm like yes. huh i'm like that does not b- bode well for this film but yet that's really the only weird thing in the entire well there's a couple little wonky things that i was like story-wise but nothing that's like uh, you know egregious or anything but to yeah. start it off with a shot that's kind of quote-unquote botched like that i was like yeah. what was the point of that well it kind of gets saved immediately after uh with the amazing opening font credits yeah uh, yeah with with it but but yeah it was sloppy you know this was the time when they just didn't notice that shit or if they did they were like well we don't have time to reshoot it so just leave it um but you know, I, the- I, I just didn't know why you even needed that shot and i agree with you the, the credits are great like once that shot gets out of the way there's no technical shots that have any or there's no shots in the movie that have any technical problems you know no. so but i'm but thinking like, it I was going to say I was thinking it's more like this movie's 86 minutes long and they had to fill it with as much, you know, it's yeah. a cyborg thing. It's a yeah. cyborg thing. It's yeah. like, well, we only we, we need 30 more seconds, 10 more yeah. seconds. You it's know, just, just I, I just thought it was funny that like literally the first shot in your movie is kind of like a botch. But <laughs> but that being said, um, I, I the first thing I texted you when I was watching the movie, I texted you a screen cap of the credits at the beginning. And I was like, I am in love with this type font right here. This oh 1972 God. type font. The, the yeah. opening, this movie's worth like it's worth watching just for the beautiful type font at the beginning. It has beautiful credits. It really it, does. It does. I want that font on like a t-shirt or something yeah. and it doesn't fit because the movie, the movie opens, uh, and, and, it, and I think it says, you know, it takes place in 1906. Yeah. And these are not 1906 fonts. This is straight up seventies font. And then the music, the opening track, which is kind of like the theme song of the movie, um, if if Quentin Tarantino hasn't taken this, hasn't stolen it, I mean, uh, paid homage to it, uh, then he will at some point because this it has like that classic kind of spaghetti western uh thriller soundtrack opening to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love it. And it's the it's that music that like the the guy's whistling when he's trying to break yeah, open. The the, yeah, it's it's yeah. yeah, the the sort of the theme song throughout the entire movie. It's I mean, honestly, it sounds great and it does sound very spaghetti, spaghetti western-esque and it does sound very Tarantino-esque. Yeah, I feel like okay, well this is if you haven't used this, someone should. Yeah. <laughs> All you budding filmmakers out there. Uh yeah, so opening credits amazing. And and then it, from there, you hear uh, Christopher Lee plays Professor Sir Alex Sexton, and and he's narrating the intro, explaining this expedition. You see a shot of these 
um, people in the Arctic and they're hiking towards a cave and, um, and they're, they're, he's explaining why they're, they're, they're going on this expedition with the members of a political cabinet and opens on this crew and they're searching in the mountain. And suddenly they're inside a cave and Saxton is leading the way and he finds a monster trapped in ice. Mm -hmm. And immediately I'm like, Oh shit. Cause I hadn't seen this movie in probably 20 years. I started remembering thinking, is this connected to something else that I really love? How am I going to get there? Because uh, I totally forgot about this. From there, the Oh, Sherpas, and by the way, I yeah. I loved uh, Christopher Lee's hat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's all decked out with his, with his, like, fur hat, which is definitely not PETA approved, unfortunately. <laughs> no. But whatever. And, yeah, he's giant fur hat on his head. He looks like a human uh, Q-tip. But... <laughs> whatever it's amazing you know it's amazing it's amazing hat (laughs) and uh like there's plenty to goof on in in just the seriousness tone of this movie but um the sherpas are carrying away the 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 thing and they carry it to a train uh train station and suddenly they're in peking china yeah i kind of yeah i i I guess it doesn't really matter but i kind of didn't pick up on it that they were in uh, China right there because yeah. I, I always kind of thought they were in Siberia the entire time but that's what yeah I too. it's a bit they're so closely connected and that's just my stupid lack of uh, world geography <laughs> my lack of knowledge about world well, geography apparently there there's a faux pas there because it, it's supposed to be Peking but I think like uh there's another sign that says like Shanghai or something like that. Oh, or like, I think they mention Shanghai later. They say Shanghai or something. That's I yeah. think that's why I was confused. Yeah, and and I think it's just because they didn't accurately <laughs> put the right sign on. You're like, <laughs> oh, we don't have time to reshoot this. So uh, you know, whatever. People are stupid. They're not going to notice. Well, yeah, because you got to think 1972. I mean, what do you have to go off of a globe? Uh, you know, all the Encyclopedia Britannicas. There's no internet to go off of, and <laughs> besides, no one's going to fucking see this movie anyway. Ways, unfortunately yeah, yeah pretty much pretty much except for our creature feature 20 on uh detroit tv but yeah. uh but yeah from there they're at the train station and there's shots of people walking around and and saxton is uh trying to get on this train at and he can't they're like the the train station manager or whatever is just telling him that there's no room on the train for his cargo and for for to get on and then suddenly peter cushing peter cushing peter cushing peter cushing shows up and he's uh, his character's name is Doctor Wells. So from then from here on out, we'll be calling him Saxton and Wells, which sounds like a great cop show coming oh. soon on CBS. <laughs> Saxton right. and Wells. <laughs> Saxton and Wells. They Come get on, the job baby. done. <laughs> yeah, starring Pia Zadora and Rose. I don't know McGowan. Um, so <laughs> so he he shows up and and they're like you can tell they go back a ways because they're kind of. Ex- exchanging pleasantries but like in a snarky kind of way they're giving each other shit and uh wells the 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 manager's like you know i don't have any room on the train and wells is like oh i can take care of that and just pulls out a bunch of money and gives (laughs) him pays him off and then saxton's like what what do you mean and suddenly the tables are turned because the whole time in the folklore of these two actors peter cushing was always like the good guy and like the sweet you know Mm. hero and now he's kind of like this kind of scummy you know like 
I one mean, upper. he's not, not scummy. Yeah, he's, he's not just too, a one upper. Scummy. He's just he gets shit done, man. He's not. He uh, yeah, he's not like a guy that's like gonna get pushed over or something. Yeah. And you could kind of tell that like Saxton was maybe more of like a proper kind of gentleman because yeah. he was like, oh well, that's bribery, you know. And and yeah. Peter Cushing's like, yeah, well, that's <laughs> gets shit done essentially, you know, <laughs> yeah. his dialogue. But dude, I love what uh, Saxton does next. He goes, he like looks at Peter Cushing, he looks <laughs> yeah. at Wells, and he's like. Excuse me. He turns around and pushes everything <laughs> off of that guy's it's amazing. desk. Yeah. And I'm like, that was the fucking baller fucking move that he could possibly do because that guy was fucking him over, you know? And, yeah. and I loved it. I loved it. He was like, excuse me, and just turns around and pushes all that dude's shit off his desk. I was he's like, not yeah, Saxton, either. you fucking do it, man. <laughs> He's like the proper Brit who will throw down if he needs to, you know? So (laughs) I love that. Yeah. While this is taking place, um, this dude shows up. So, so the, the, uh, the thing in ice Mm -hmm. is, uh, is, is now in like a, you know, crate that's sitting by the train with a bunch of chains around and locks. And a dude shows up trying to pick the lock while this is going on. It's cutting back and forth. Yeah, he shoves all the stuff off the desk, which is hilarious. And then suddenly the dude who was trying to pick the lock is now dead on the ground with white eyes. Oh, like, what the fuck is that all about? The military shows up. Saxton gets his ticket and uh, and he goes to see what all the hubbub is about. And there's a priest praying over the body. And totally priest, like a, a Rasputin looking motherfucker. Like they they went yes. full Rasputin with uh, this character, Pierre. Oh shoot, I can never pronounce this guy's name. This character's name. Um, it's it's something very Russian with the, with a P and a U and a Y. Yes. Um, but okay, he, go on. I I look it up. Yeah, it's it is it is. Oh, it's Father. Pujardov. Yeah, Pujardo. 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 Yes, there Pujardo, you go. Yeah. Father Pujardo. Pujardo, who, who does look like a, a mad monk. And it's funny you say that because Christopher Lee, in one of the horror films back in the day, one of my personal faves, was in a movie called Rasputin the Mad Monk mm. and looks just like that. And if you haven't seen that movie, go check it out because it's really dope. But but watch this one first because we're talking about it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, um, yeah, the priest praying over him, the detective shows up. Uh, Inspector Mirov, who I like too, he's great too. I oh, yeah. never seen him before this movie. Uh, he was another actor that I was just kind of riveted by as I was watching him the entire time. Yeah, and you know, th- this has like a whole cavalcade of like people who, uh, you know, probably did, like I said, a shit ton of Hammer movies back in the day, Italian horror and, and drama and stuff like that. And this guy, he everybody chews the scenery so much, except. Not as good as Telly Savalas. No, no one's as good as Telly Savalas. <laughs> it's like he was born to chew scenery. He was born to chew, baby, uh, <laughs> and suck lollipops. So, um, yeah, the, the the priest thinks that the devil killed uh, this 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 thief. And well, because we also find out that um, first they think, oh, he was just a blind guy. And then someone, the, the police inspector that's there, he's like, oh, no, this this guy was like a, a master lock picker. That's yeah. another thing that's going to come back. Um, and he could, you know, see a cop from a mile away is what he said. So now yeah. we know that like it happened, like he became blind. Yeah. And you're like, what? why are the whites of his eyes drained or why, why are his pupils drained out of his head? You know, Yeah, it's a really cool effect. It's, it's freaky as fuck. Oh, it's freaky as fuck. Yeah. And and so the inv- and, uh, inspector's like, you know, what's inside the box? And, and Saxton's like, oh, there's, you know, special stones uh, that I need to get, you know, get to London or whatever. And uh, 
and the priest is like freaking out and he draws he goes to draw an x on the box or a cross yeah because he yeah he's he draws a with the chalk with he's chalk. like you know like you can draw the cross anywhere because you know it's it's god's will and he draws it on the ground to kind of show you and he's like but where the devil is you can't draw it and he goes to like draw it on the tarp that's yeah. like on, over top of the box and it doesn't draw which was a cool like a little effect like a cool practical effect the chalk like didn't like leave any mark and i just i love christopher lee's like just he just dismisses it he's just like <laughs> oh that's just poppycock you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just that's 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 ridiculous. Let's get this on the train, and then basically they dismiss the whole, the dude, and they're putting the crate on the train. And as they do, you hear it snarl for a minute. You're that like, was cool. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And Saxton is like inspecting the crate to make sure everything's cool, and he opens up the crate, and the the thing inside the crate is still frozen. Yeah, and so, it's it, it's like as far as effects go, it's serviceable. Yeah. Um, I I I, mean, I liked what it looked like, but at the same time, it's I, I always feel like it's kind of hard for seventies movies with like a full body monster. It, yeah. it's just it doesn't ever look as great as it does nowadays. But I do feel like the director did a good job of like filming the the creature uh, throughout you know while that he was using it here and uh, did a good job with it. It could have it could have gone a lot more wrong. It could have, and you know th- they'll explain in a minute what this thing is supposed to be and yeah it it, it's hokey in in one sense but like you said it is definitely serviceable for what it for what it is so Mm -hmm. and because it's not even in the movie that much which is fine so from there you're inside the uh the train car with the like the storage right the storage train car i guess you'd say yeah yeah the storage car i guess yeah yeah and there's a guy in there who's like very stereotypical Irish guy. He look, look, looks like a little <laughs> leprechaun, and uh, he does he does? And I don't like know a, if he's I don't know if he's just short or I know Christopher Lee is like six foot five, and Peter yeah. Cushing's like six foot one. So this poor bastard looks like he's like five foot one, but you know he's probably just as as tall as we are. But these two guys are freaking giants. Yeah, they got these two giants next to him, and he looks dwarfish. But yeah. uh, but but you know he's like kind of in charge of everything in the back and. And Saxon and Wells are like going back and forth. You know, Wells really wants to know what what's in the crate, and and Saxon's like it's two million years old. You know, he's trying to explain that it's it's a it's a, what do you call it? A, it's a missing link. It's 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 yeah. like pro, like a half man, half monkey. Neanderthal. You know, yeah. and and the interesting thing is this movie deals with with a lot of concepts. It throws yeah. a lot of concepts around and it links them all. Like there's a reason for the linkage, which is cool. But at first, I didn't know where it was going or what the fuck was happening. I I right out of the gate, I'm just thinking that this monster is the lone antagonist, and it's just some kind of a monster scenario. There is so much more coming (laughs) yeah this 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 definitely sets up a potential monster movie and then goes in a real sharp direction turn in a little bit we're getting there (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh yeah no there's 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 yeah it's 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 fun and it never nothing ever feels like it doesn't fit or flow you know no not at all and then and then from there this woman walks in, and, and not to be too politically incorrect, but this I wrote hot chick walks in, and uh, <laughs> I I mean not, not, I mean I put my notes right here says the countess is stunning. And yes, she countess is <laughs> she is stunning. Countess Irina Petrovos, Petrovska, 
And, uh, and so that means so so the the father has the same name the the priest the Rasputin guy has the same name as her. Well, no, or he's is... got Pujara. Pujarov. Oh, okay. Oh God, sorry guys, Russian is not my first language. But then, but then his her husband is Count Marian Petrovsky. So uh. maybe the Petrovska and the Petros Petrovsky, uh, that like the A and the I denote you know like, sex. Yeah, like or, yeah, yeah. Some kind of like connection between yeah. family lineage or something. Who knows? Who knows? I I, I don't give a shit. So. Yeah, she, all, all I know is she was hot as fuck. <laughs> yeah, she walks in and she and she's like, you know, what is that? And my dog is never scared of things. He's so scared of this. And and then uh, Saxon's totally turned on by her, and he's flirting with her, and he's like, oh, don't worry, it's fine. You know, everything's okay. But, would you like to go back to my room and have a drink? He doesn't say that to her, but that's kind of like the engage they have going back and forth. And then she brings up the fact that she's married, and you're like, oh, mm, killer. <laughs> to someone that's as old as her grandfather. Yeah, I'm like, well, when you find out who her actual husband is, then it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> It also kind of makes sense that she kind of likes older guys too, right? Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. So uh, he's, he's, like, he's like, well, let me es- escort you back to your room. So from from there, you cut to Saxton talking to the engineer on the train, and the engineer is like, you know, why didn't the cross show up on the on the crate? And then I love this. Uh, Chris Saxton goes, "It was hypnosis, yoga," <laughs> and I'm like, "No, that's right. This is when yoga was like super taboo." Yeah, yeah, and and you know, uh, for everyone out there who hasn't seen the movie, uh, we got to say that we are not referring to like a uh, a train engineer type of thing. It's it's he is like his profession is that he's an engineer. Yeah, yeah, and and yes, uh, he's like a scientist. And... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and 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 it's and the thing that was cool is like like the, he kind of bumps into Christopher Lee and uh, you know he, or Saxton, and he saw everything sort of happen you know outside on the street and everything, and he's he's holding the piece of chalk and he just tells him he goes, "This is you know real chalk," like yeah. you know, and then then Christopher Lee's like you know poppycock. It was it was yoga hypnosis. I loved it. it was hypnosis. Yoga. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yoga. Yeah, <laughs> right. I love that. And so at the same time, Wells is uh, pay pays the baggage guy in the back, the leprechaun, uh, to inspect the crate, you know, and and because he wants to know what's inside. Yeah. And uh, at the same right after that, you're cutting to uh, this another beautiful babe and in, uh, in, in like a kind of jade colored dress. Oh, yeah. And she she runs down in the down the hallway and walks in on uh, on Wells. And asks for help. At the same time, Saxton walks in. And basically, she, she's like, you know, will you please help me? And then Wells is like, well, I, I, well I, 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 can, I can see if I can help you. And she's like lays down in the bed. She's like, well, okay, well, I'm here now. So you don't have any choice. <laughs> she's like, this guy's an easy mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and at the same time, then uh, Saxton walks in. And they realize that they have to share a room together. Because the train is so full, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and and then and the and the chick is like, well, you know, I'm gonna be here. Like, I'm, she's like laying in the bed and and shacking up, and she's just down to party, I guess, at this point. So. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, because there's only two beds in there, and you know, uh, Saxton is taking the upper bunk, and then uh, Cushing is, you know, Wells is on the lower bunk. But you know, he's apparently got the girl with him. But I don't know what Wells is complaining about. He's got a hot girl in bed with him, <laughs> right? So from there. You- this moves pretty fast. You cut yeah. back to the the train car, uh, the storage train car, and the baggage man is breaking into the crate. 
And as he does that, you know, he breaks into the crate to see what's going on. And then he leaves like the net. He, he like unscrews um, the, the, the plate, the part where you can like look inside the crate and he leaves the screws on the ground. Then you suddenly he walks away and the mon- and you see this monster hand reach out and grab very sophisticatedly grab the screw to pick a and he bends the or the nail i guess it is and he like bends it to pick the lock of yeah. his actual crate which could be perceived as being hokey at one point but i'm like that's pretty kind of cool actually like he's got an intelligence about him yeah and and at first i was like okay this <laughs> yeah. is um cheesy. so and yeah it's it's this, this is cheesy and like i even wrote down so i was like so the creature knows how to pick a lock like what the <laughs> yeah. fuck and then you know and i'm like was it also whistling too or actually afterwards um obviously there's actually a reason behind this which I didn't pick up on right away and you pick it up on later. And then when you watch the movie again, which I did today before, uh, like probably about 30 minutes before we recorded this, I watched it again and I'm like, Oh my God, it makes so much sense now that you know what's happening. And it's, it's not at all hokey. It actually, it fits within the confines of the story that they're telling, you know, it it does. Yeah. And you'll find out you'll, 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 it'll all get pieced together soon. And I think it's actually played really well because up until this point, there, even though there are some shocking, horrific moments, uh, everything is kind of. There are some mo- playful moments where you're like, "Oh, this is silly." Oh, and it's intentional. Like um, Wells' assistant, uh, who has her own train car earlier in the movie. Like she, they have an exchange, and his assistant is like, uh, "I forget what." well or maybe that's com- it's actually sorry. it's it's later it's when they're it's he's up. like i need your help with something and she looks back at the the girl in the green dress and she's like oh I, man your age i guess you do and he's like what no but yeah <laughs> they they try to make her be a little bit a smidge of a foil to wells because i think the 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 idea is that they've been working together for a long time so they already have like a rapport but she's whoever that actress lady is like she's like freaking five foot two yeah. but uh she was great she was she was she was awesome in it she and the baggage guy need to hook up and seriously uh, have tiny kids <laughs> yeah so so okay so back to the baggage scene the the monster reaches in to pick the lock and the baggage man uh sees this and sees the monster and the monster looks at him with this like red eye and look and then suddenly the baggage guy's eyes not only go white but blood is mm. now leaking out of both orifices <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> it's it is. It's really good. The special effects in this movie are outstanding for 1972. Yes, yes, and, and and I and what I love about it is right after that happens, the whistling starts again, and you're like, oh, he mimics. Sorry, he's mimicking the baggage guy who's whistling. That's where the whistling comes from. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, ex- yes, that's yeah. where I wrote my on the notes. And I'm like, so now he's he's whistling. So at first, I was like, what the. F- fuck like this is this is stupid but it's not that's what's really fucking cool about it is that it actually makes sense yeah he's mimicking what the other person's doing which in a way i'm like oh that's like the predator you know what the predator does right the predator adopts like the other or something else that we might talk about very soon (laughs) cuts from there to the train car of the countess and her husband and the monk uh the priest and like the priest is like their priest. He works for them and he's like their guru or something, you know? Yeah. That's kind of like a, of a, 
like a rich aristocratic thing where yeah. like yeah you got your own priest that's crazy yeah and, and the priest is like makes this comment he's like it's there's the stink of hell on this train you know and 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 the the, the count uh is like oh everything's fine you know just he's like very flamboyant and and uh very flippy and the countess is you could you could tell it's like such an arranged marriage and uh you know, lavender marriage, as, as I like to call it. Yeah, and you can tell that, like, the monk has the hots for the countess. Yes. And you can tell that the the count can see this because he's not stupid, because he's, like, 70, yes. you know? Um, yes. He's like, I'm not dumb, you know? And you kind of also get the impression that he might not have a problem with his wife getting a little flirty with people. And you also kind of get the impression that maybe if it's for the greater good of, you know, their goals, it's okay. But yeah, I, I, it's it's an interesting situation. And they don't explain everything about it to you. You just have to sort of infer from the scenes that you have with them. Yeah, you just kind of have to go along with it and, and, and just recognize that the, that the Countess is flirtatious with everybody because she wants to dress up for Saxton and trying to pick out the right outfit or whatever when you're like uh seriously you're married like what the fuck but whatever that's neither here nor there yeah. um and so at the same time they hear the the, the whistling coming on the, from the train and you're like wait a minute is that the monster whistling who knows right cuts to the train chugging along and you back to the inspector and the ins- inspector notices that the crates he's in the um in the storage area the storage car. Storage car, yep. And he noticed that, notices that the trains have been tampered with, or the crates have been tramp, tampered with, and he tells Saxton and Wells that the baggage man is missing. And he's questioning Saxton, but, and, but Wells, admits, well, Wells admits that he paid off the baggage guy to inspect the his crate and to open it <laughs> yeah i was i was actually impressed I was by like, okay. yeah i was actually impressed by wells like just straight up owning up to that he was like oh this might have actually been my fault you know and then uh saxton christopher lee just looks at him and was like it was none of your concern but he doesn't like chastise him anything he just it's because it's like you know what that's how dudes are it's just like well you did it there's nothing to do about it now like i'm not gonna yeah. there's nothing for me to yell at you about it now you know you fucked up like i don't know <laughs> i i like that old school style way of dudes interacting with each other it's like you know you fucked up i don't need to fucking beat you over the head about it i know i appreciate that they're like okay well you're an asshole and i already knew you're an asshole so (laughs) i'll get over it so that the inspector is like demanding to open up the crate and i love this scene because saxton pulls his key out and then he throws it out the window of the train Dude, I was fucking like, yeah, that was awesome. But like right before it, um, the 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 kind of the cops, the quote unquote cops, are sort of around yeah. him. And when when the inspector demands Saxton to hand the key over, that one fucking guard pulls his like rifle up that he's gonna butt Saxton in the face with it. Yeah. Like he immediately goes into like face butting like stance, and I'm like, oh my god, that guy's serious. But yeah, then then I, great move by by Saxton. He takes the key out, and there's like an open window right next to him and he just nonchalantly chucks it out i'm like bro baller bro <laughs> whatever yep this is what are you gonna do what are you gonna do hit me now <laughs> now you're gonna hit me <laughs> exactly. so yeah so after he does that the inspector you know uh they go to like open up the crate anyways they're prying it open and they realize that the baggage man is inside the, the crate dead 
Yeah. Yeah. Right? There's there's no covering anything up now. Like he's he's there should be like a, a two thousand year old fossil right there. Instead, there's a guy and no fossils. So yeah, shit's hitting the fan already. <laughs> Saxton Saxton says you know there was an ape man, an ape ape man was in there or something like that. And and he explains that he's kind of. I think this is where he kind of explains that he's the missing link or whatever. So yeah. you also immediately. So so now you're like okay so. So it's it's not just a, a resurrected you know um, dead creature. It's also something special. It's 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 possibly a miss, missing link for evolution. Um, even though this movie takes was filmed in 1972, it takes place in 19 like 1906. So, yeah. So they kind of have discussions in this movie about whether evolution is correct or not. It yeah. it gets really it gets deep occasionally. Um, but the, the interesting thing is it starts off as one. thing thing just you know a frozen body then you find out that this frozen body is not just anybody it's it's quite possibly the find of of the of a lifetime to, that can change the the history books as it were you know and then on top of it there's it's it's alive so there's another layer to it and then there's there's a deeper layer there that kind of negates everything that we'll find out soon enough that kind of changes the complete direction that this thing goes in but there's so many it's not like red herrings or like it, there's just so many twists and turns here and but again they all fit once you know what the the deal is yeah once you yeah and they do and and to quote not and to loosely quote uh one of our favorite movies you know this could be the find of the century this is going to win somebody the nobel (laughs) exactly so uh (laughs) there's a lot of parallels a lot of there are a lot of parallels because the parallel that we are are loosely referring to uh but both movies were were also kind of based on the same source material as well exactly exactly (laughs) so so from there the inspector orders saxon to be locked up and he's basically on house arrest in his um in his train car or in his in his room i don't know yeah, what, what um, you call that right yeah they, and, they they used a term for it earlier that yeah. wasn't is like a queue or something like that and i was like oh what yeah 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 so, his train car room essentially train car room yeah come on train car room so, come on, train uh, car. <laughs> so from there the inspector and his men are looking for this monster and you see these two kids cut to a room of these two kids sleeping in their train car and the monster comes in to the room and he's about to grab this kid you see this big, you know, hairy hand come down to grab the kid, but then it stops and it leaves. And as it leaves, it grabs a guard and kills the guard. Yeah. And so right now, right now, another layer to it, you're like, okay, there's some kind of sentience to this creature and it might not be purely evil. We don't know yet, except, yeah. I mean, they, they do play with like, you know, all kinds of concepts. But as of right now, I was, my note was, Oh, okay. I guess it's not like a, a complete monster is what I said. You know, I go, the eight man isn't a complete monster exclamation point. That's what no, I he's got. He's got a level of intelligence that is a little more sophisticated, uh, than we think it is initially. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute, this guy can pick locks. He's whistling what other people are doing. <laughs> he, he knows not to kill a kid. Uh, and he kills the guard and the guard finds the dead one. And then he also finds like the door to the outside of the train open. So the monsters like stepped outside the train or you're not sure exactly what happened at that point. From there, we cut to uh, Wells. And I just wrote like with his with his geisha girl, the, the girl in the jade dress. The, uh, well, she's in. We find out later she's a spy. But yeah. A spy. yeah. Yeah. But I met her his little geisha and uh, 
they're sitting in the dining hall having dinner and she's like, my glass is empty and <laughs> totally playing him for a sucker. And, uh, the engineer looks, sees the geisha, the engineer walks in the scientist and, and he recognizes her and, uh, he's like, I know you or something like that. And she's like, no, you must be mistaken or whatever. And he's like, I think, no, I, I, I forget the exact, exact dialogue that happens at that point, but they re- he recognizes her, uh, which kind of alludes to her being not who she says she is. Yeah, right? like trying to layer on some some intrigue there, essentially. Yes, she's a, and eventually she becomes like a thief. Uh, but at the same time this happens, the fish on the, they see at the dining hall, there's a fish on the table with a, a dead fish with its eyes were white. It's 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 not it's food. I mean, it's you know yeah. it's prepared. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was thinking how you're saying it. And I'm like, it sounds like there's a dead fish just like flopped on the table. Flopped on the table. It's, now it's you know like it's prepared. It's just... Yeah, and, and I will say, if anyone's ever been to like you know a, a tra- traditional Chinese restaurant, there there is like when they serve their fish, sometimes uh, the eyes are white, and they're yeah. like, and they find out it's white because uh, it the, it was boiled. And, and you're like, wait a minute. That's revealed about this, why the fish has white eyes. And you're like, wait a minute. You know, Wells has this like perplexed look on his face. Like, did he boil the guy's head? Is that what? Is that why his eyes turn white? Yeah. And I think that was like, yeah, that's kind of the illusion as to what happened. But yeah, it was. It's kind of freaky because Wells is like, what's with his its eyes? You know. But I mean, the the engineer's like, oh, it's you know, it's boiled, and you know, Wells knows that. It's it's he's not like stupid. He's like, yeah, you know. But he's just sort of like thinking out loud type of thing. But you can see he's like starting to like he's tra- he's trying to figure it out. Like the the gears are turning. Yeah, the gears are turning, and then and that's exactly the time when the inspector shows up and he asks Wells to check the dead body of the um of the 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 train car operator in the storage room the the leprechaun essentially leprechaun (laughs) yes and uh and then and then he asks uh his assistant miss jones for help and she's he's like i need you to help me with something and she's like well at your age i'm not surprised yeah (laughs) and and he goes with the with an autopsy and she goes oh that's different yeah she's like oh i love that though I know that was, that was a funny little a little jazz, you know little thing you know just insert like a little bit of humor it was great but uh, p- prior to that right before that when the the, the uh, investigator guy like the head police guy when uh, he comes over there to ask Wells for for help he does it so non-discreetly and he's like yeah. i need you to help me like examine the body and like the engineer's like what who who's days like this is none of your concern and i'm like why then why did you even talk to wells about it in front of everyone yeah. why didn't you say hey wells i'm a police officer can you please come here with me uh, i got something i want to talk to you about in private yeah yeah no no let's just throw our cards out on the table and then when someone asks him what that's about shoot him down immediately and be like, shut the hell up. What's yeah, exactly. Wrong he's like, he's like, he's like, shut up. You know, I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> so at the same time, this is happening. The countess walks in on Saxton in his room and then immediately cuts back to, uh, the autopsy that's being performed by, uh, Wells and jo- Miss Jones. And it's like cutting back and forth between Saxton and the countess, uh, arguing about the importance of the monster, like Saxton's explaining to her why this is such an important thing, and it's cutting back to the autopsy. Yeah. It, it keeps going back and forth. 
And that's where the, like, the evolution talk is and stuff, you know, where, you know, Saxon's like, you know, th- this could be a missing link type of thing. Yeah. And, you know, and she's like, you know, evolution is an abomination to, or, you know, an affront to God. And he's yeah. like, it's just, it's just science. It's just fact. You know, you can't, you know, it's got no meaning to it other than just it's fact, you know, there's no emotion to it type of thing. But yeah, it's, it's, I was like, okay, cool. Cause you know, it's like I said, it's, it was filmed in 1972, but it's supposed to take place in 1906 so i like that they had the idea in their head of the time frame that it was at and how people reacted at you know how some people would react to the idea of evolution at that time because it was still relatively new yeah and and it it totally makes sense contextually uh why you know obviously religion well it's not not much has changed but uh religion is (laughs) is more prevalent than science and this is all kind of new, a new frontier, so to speak. And, um, and so there would be more support on the religious side versus the science side. But, and so they're having this argument, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, you're arguing with this countess who for all intents and purposes is kind of like a ditzy character seems that way anyways. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you're just wanting to get into her pants basically. Yeah, Come on, let's course. be honest. And so as this is happening, they're doing the autopsy and Wells, like they, they, they slice into Leprechaun's head, which is really cool. It's a cool shot because it's, it is, you're right. It's very gory in this scene and they're, they're pulling the, 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 the top of the, the head off or the skull, skull, like the, the top skull. of the skull cap. Yeah, they, yeah. And to expose the brain, right. And as they do, they realize that the brain has been drained. Like it, it's fl- it's uh, it's blank. There's no his, lines on it. His assistant says it's as smooth as a baby's bottom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the brain has been drained of all its all, all its intelligence. Yes, it's so badass. Yes, and so my my next note was. Oh, it drains your memory, exclamation point. That's how it could pick the lock. Now it all makes sense, you know? Yeah. It 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 so and then so the guy that it killed at the very beginning of the movie at the train station, they made a big deal of of, you know, saying that guy was a master lock picker and everything, and now it all makes sense. I was like, "Oh, okay." I was like, that's so much so much smarter than I thought I gave it credit for because, you know, I don't know, man. I try not to fall into the category, but you kind of like you look at older movies and you think that they're going to be quaint and stuff and, and they're not going to be as sophisticated as today. Like, you know, Diallo said it's this yeah. movie's sophisticated. It, it knew what it was doing from the beginning. And if the if the audience didn't catch up until right now, that's fine. Like it's it, it didn't care. It, it knew what it was doing and it stuck to its guns and i like that and it didn't like at first overly explain it you just let the audience sort of sit with the fact that this two thousand year old thing or two million year old thing could um you know pick a lock or whatever yeah it just kind of jumps right into it and and that's okay like yeah. yeah like you said things will start to get more explained as time goes on yeah and they and, and i'll say uh, i mean i'll say now at the end of this movie i was never left with any questions like everything sort of no. gets answered you know yeah yeah i wasn't either like i Everything made sense, and mm-hmm. I was uh, it was a tight little tight little bun. Tight little it bun. is. It's very so. tight. It's a very tight <laughs> film. And so after that, all that all this is going on, the uh, you're cutting to the the monster like inspects the baggage guy, uh, the leprechaun guy, and in, to check out his body. 
and it inspects the body sort of lovingly. So yes. I almost kind of take away that everyone that he that the creature absorbs, it's it it like has full memory of it, like it knows everything about it. So it's going to look at its own body essentially, and you know, be like, oh, you know, sort of sad at the loss of yeah, its previous. Yeah, yeah it's a, yeah, exactly. It's it has a little bit of sentimentalness to it, and I like that. There's a there's a lot of layers to this. There's a lot of emotion to to this creature, this alien, whatever, uh, a Satan, whatever you want to say that this thing is. Yeah. Is it, is it, well, yeah. At this point you're like, you think it's just a creature. Yes. Yeah. That's you killed think somebody. Exactly. Yeah. And at, yeah, at this point I was still like, at this point I was still convinced that the creature was the creature. You know what I mean? Like yeah. its yeah. body is what it is, but that's not the case. No, because right after this, uh, the geisha girl, the little jade, uh, jade dress wearing chick, uh, she goes into the baggage room and you realize that she's like a thief or a spy or yeah, something like she's up to, nef- ne- up to bad, up to, up to nefarious reasons why she's there. And she starts to break into the safe in the baggage area. And as she does, the monster comes out and kills her, kills her. Yeah, he, he drains her her brains. <laughs> her drains her brains, and with the bloody eyes, it's so, it's such a badass effect. I love it. And at the same time, the inspector comes in, and he is looking for the geisha girl, trying to figure out where she is. And he sees the monster there. Well, and, no, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. Peter Cushing goes to open the door and or like to the baggage area and he gets his arm grabbed and oh, then the, right. yeah, the yeah, inspector yeah, yeah. kind of shoots through the door which is really cool yeah like so like peter cushing is in the opening of the door but the door's only sort of cracked like wrestling with the the the, the creature but the inspector comes and he can you know you can sort of tell that the, the that whatever peter cushing's wrestling with is on the other side of that door so the the inspector basically just shoots through the door which is you know not at all safe for wells's character you know yes. yeah. <laughs> but he does what he does and kind of and thus sort of you know breaks them apart essentially yeah and what yeah and so suddenly now it's just the inspector and the monster and because Wells goes to get more help. Yeah, I think at that point. And then the monster does. I wrote he does something to the inspector, but you're not mm. sure what it is because it's like going back and forth. He's looking at the monster. The monster's looking at him. There's this back and forth exchange. And then suddenly he, he gets one last shot off and kills get, the, the creature. Yeah, he gets one last shot off and kills the monster. Right. And then but suddenly, he, but he, but the thing is, he already had the bloody nose thing, so you knew like that was always the first stage of of the monster like wiping your brain as yes. you kind of get a little trickle of blood. So I think you you kind of like oh like something was already starting to happen because after he shoots the creature, he kind of collapses, and that's when Peter Cushion like kind of like you know oh you know like let me help you you know yeah. rushes to him type of he thing rushes to him, and then suddenly the inspector's in bed. The next scene. And he's looking at his hand. He's kind of waking up from from passing out, and he's looking at his hand. And, and but we don't covers... get to. But yeah, we don't get to see what he's looking at. But it yeah, did you... make a good little ominous noise. Like it, he he looks at it. And it's like dun 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 dun. You know, one of those things. Yeah, yeah. And and he kind of looks like he's. Yeah, he looks out of it groggy, but at the same time, he just he he's he nothing too different about him. But then. Saxton walks in and he covers his hand up under a sheet or whatever. And Saxton, I, at this point, I guess the the 
the thief has been they performed an autopsy on her already as well because he reveals that her brain is completely smooth and uh, Saxton theorizes that the monster absorbs the minds of the people that he kills and I'm thinking to myself oh he's absorbing their their he's absorbing them and he's kind of becoming them mm-hmm. oh that's interesting that reminds me of another movie I love so much I know Corey <laughs> does too <laughs> and so does all of our listeners. Yes. And so Saxon's kind of wondering how this monster could die. And you cut to the monk and the, and the inspector in the um, countess or the count's room. The inspector uh, has his hand in his pocket and he's saying that, uh, you know, the, and the monk's like looking at him. Yeah, the and the he, the monk's got him clocked from the get go. Yeah, the monk knows, and he's like, "Satan lives, Satan lives," and he starts praying, and the monk starts freaking out because the the, the on the wall there's like a what is it, Mary or something like that, or, or yeah, or it's well, it's it's actually looked more like just a like a saint or something, but yeah, yeah like like his little shrine that he was praying to, uh, the the candle blows out, and then like this picture of a saint that he's praying to kind of like falls off the wall and on the ground and his eyes get all big. And then the, you know, uh, the inspector just kind of like looks, but at the same time, the inspector looked a little surprised too. He's like, Oh, that fell. That's weird. Yeah. Nothing, <laughs> yeah. nothing's too apparent yet that the, that the, there's something wrong with the inspector, but the monk well, freaks I, out. <laughs> well, spoiler, spoiler alert. Uh, you know, the inspector, you know, being the, now the, the, the monster thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think he had anything to do with the candle blowing out and the uh, the thing falling the, the the saint falling off the the wall. I think he was like, "Oh, that's uh, that was interesting." <laughs> yeah, there's no like he doesn't have supernatural powers no. other than you know like yeah. uh, he's he's not he's is he the devil? I don't know. Well, we'll kind of figure that out in a minute. And then you from there after the monk freaks out, you cut to uh, an autopsy being performed on the monster and. And they take out the eye of the monster. And as they do that, they're looking at the eye under a microscope. Like they take like, I'm assu- like they, they cut like a slice of it or something like or that. They, well, they, they use like a little, like an extractor, um, like a needle, but not quite. But it, it, it extract a little bit of the juice from its eyeball, essentially. Yes. And they yeah. put it on a little, you know, Petri dish and put it under a microscope, essentially. Yeah. And as they put it on their microscope and they're looking, they see, uh, Okay, it looks cheesy. It looks like something from a viewfinder. I get that. But they look under the microscope and they see a fucking dinosaur in the brain juice, uh, the eyeball juice. And you're like, whoa, they're starting to realize that this creature is from outer space. Well, because, yeah, because they well, they theorize that. Yeah, they theorize that because they see first they see an image of the inspector. So they're like, oh, it it's it's recorded the image of the last thing that the creature saw is recorded in the blood and they're like oh my god i guess it's it's you know it's like eyeball memories are recorded in the blood whatever they said you know it's it sounded fine at the time then they extracted a little bit more juice and they looked again and it was yeah they see a brontosaurus in there they see a pterodactyl and sadly even though like every image that they do like is through like a filter of blood sadly the brontosaurus image that they used is the most like (laughs) like generic 
um, yeah. encyclopedia picture of a brontosaurus you've ever seen. And they were just like, <laughs> well, no one will notice that it's a drawing if we just put blood over it. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah. okay, that's fine, whatever. But then the, they do like a third extraction and look, and um, that's when they see the Earth. And I was like, at first I was like, oh, why is that a big deal? I was like, this was made in 1972. I was like, oh, yeah, fuck, this this movie takes place in 1906. So that was a big deal to them because they were like, there's there's no satellites in 1906. We've never, at this point, you got to understand, we've never seen the Earth from space, ever. And the fact that they're seeing it in this the, the creature's blood, they're like, that's mind-blowing, right? So it must be from outer space. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, 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 and which... I mean, at that point, I'm like, oh, shit. So it's an alien comes from outer space. It's absorbing the memory or the or the or the, you know, at this point, we don't realize that it's absorbing the body of things. Well, we kind of do because it's we know that it's in the inspector at this point. Like something's going on with the inspector. Yeah. And it's pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think at this point, I mean, yeah, you you know that it's the inspector at this point. They don't I don't think they try to make it all that hidden. You kind of know it when he kind of looks at his hand and, you know, he's acting a little bit weird at first. But um yeah, it's 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 I don't know if they really if he ever absorbs anything. It can go into other people um or it can bring like I think your essence into it. But yeah, essentially at this point, you kind of as a viewer realize that that the um, the monkey thing like that was just what it was in and it just happened to be vessel yeah that was just its vessel and it happened to be something you know super significant to like humanity to like science and everything something that that you know is like this missing link thing it just happened to to be in that but that's not what this movie's about this movie's not about that missing link ape thing because at this point it's dead it's just a husk and it was it was always just a husk it it just it was being kept alive by whatever this thing is so i mean can we talk about at this point yeah so yeah yeah so so this movie is this its source material is also the same source material as the thing which is uh, the novella called who goes there yep exactly so there are a lot of parallels here to to the thing like this this idea that that an alien comes to earth um you know way prehistory like way before we were ever even here and it's wow like at this point i'm just like oh my god this take me wherever you want to go horror (laughs) express i didn't see any of this coming and i am on board for all of it well what i love about that too is like you know there's another movie called The Hidden that came out in like '88 mm-hmm. that uh, reminds me a little bit of that, where like it absorbs, you know, the person's body and takes them over. Um, <laughs> J- Jason goes to hell, kind of ripped it off. Yeah, Jason goes to hell, totally ripped that off. Uh, but yeah, I, what I love about all these though is like it, it's a very simple premise, and you're and they're all uniquely different. Like mm-hmm. the thing is totally different than this but i just love that there's this connection and it made me love this movie that much more when i'm like oh shit this is like the thing this is Mm -hmm. so badass with a little like element of prince of darkness in the sense that because at this point the monk you know walks in on the autopsy and he's like it's satan yeah and i actually got I cued in more into Prince of Darkness on this than I did the thing. I mean, okay, cool. I, I, I I get it. Like, I, I get what the, the connections to the thing, and I, I totally see them. But I just kind of, like, more cued into tonally uh, the whole Prince of Darkness thing. Like, like the fact that this actually could be 
um, the devil, you know, but it's still like under sort of scientific pretenses or something. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Um, but yeah, I I guarantee you. I mean, I don't know, but I imagine John Carpenter kind of you know pulled from this for Prince of Darkness. I would love it, and and maybe you know I, I forget who uh, which Patreon subscriber recommended it, but they're like, man, if you could get John Carpenter on your interview series. I'm like, well, it could happen, you know. <laughs> I mean, that would be great, but I mean, like, yeah, I, I think I think it could happen, but my God, that's a huge name right there. And, and if we do, we'll bring it up. But yep. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, make sure to bring up Horror Express from 1972. Uh, yeah, so uh, Saxon is like, you know, when the when the when the monk's freaking out and saying it's Satan, he's like, oh, that's nonsense, and they and they kind of like they kind of just kind of. Uh, brush over it really quickly and they go through a tunnel at this point and so the lights are going out and uh Prajardov, Prajardov, he takes the eyeball uh that they've been studying and and you know takes off right and i love this because he runs off to like the baggage claim or the baggage yeah. storage area. I mean, and, there's not many places he can hide. Yeah, you know, it's like a one-way thing. And so... Uh, and real quick, if, if if I could make my own edit of this film, this film would be exactly the same, except when the lights go out, I would have Pajardovs go, yoink, when, when he grabs the eyeball. <laughs> yeah, like straight up like yoink. Scooby-Doo. Like a yeah. Scooby-Doo shit. Yeah, I love, I love that. And uh, and I wrote down at this point, I'm like, Jones is a pretty cool uh, sidekick, Mrs. Jones, because cause she like goes off and goes looking for Pajardov as well. You know? Yeah, she ain't and, scared of nobody. Yeah, she ain't scared of shit. And she's like, yeah, she's very tough. Uh, and I forgot to mention that, you know, at this point, like, this eyeball is like being inspected by everybody. For some reason, the countess has to see it too. And you're like, Oh, okay. Why does the countess need to see this? Who gives a shit? Okay, fine. That's neither here nor there. But, uh, yeah, uh, Jones goes into the, uh, baggage card to, 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 to look inspect. And, and then the inspector walks in and surprises her at this point. The monk is inside the baggage, uh, room as well, but he's hiding and he hasn't been found yet. And, and the inspector walks in and surprises her. And, uh, and Jones is like saying that, you know, the eye has pictures on it and the pictures from the earth, the pictures are from earth and, uh, the pictures of, are from, of earth from space. And the inspector who has seen it reveals that reveals his hand to her for the first time. And you're realizing that at this point he, he hasn't fully transformed. It reminded me of in the thing when, um, I'm blanking now. It's not Fuchs. Oh, yeah, it's Fuchs. Wasn't it's it? Fuchs. Yeah, yeah. Was it Fuchs? I know yeah. who you're talking. I mean, yeah, I know. It's when he runs out there in the snow and he's got his two monster hands and he opens his mouth and he, you know, does the yell thing. But yeah, I, I agree with you. It's like that. He's not like done transforming, but you know, unlike the thing, he, his hand is always going to be like that. And and they don't yes. ever sort of explain that i kind of took yeah. it more as a film thing than as like, like as a part of the biology of the creature i took it more of just like a film convention to kind of show you that he's the bad guy because i don't really know yeah. why his hand would transform when the creature jumped into him you know because because that creature wasn't even its main body anyways no it, it, it it's a it's a weird it's a weird plot hole uh, that i forgive because because it makes it's fine. It, like it, it's kind of cool in a way. Because it's like it's freaky. You're like, oh shit, 
You yeah, know. it's it's totally forgivable. It's it's totally like a, a plot hole sort of film thing, but it's one hundred percent forgivable because they they work it well. They they yeah. do good things with it. Yeah, and what he does with it is he kills Jones, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and, well, and also later he uses that hand as a weapon, which is I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, and and then maybe that's the the part that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know, um, but yeah, he kills her. And the monk comes out from hiding, and he's, like, Could, praying. I the, do want to just jump in real quick because yeah, yeah. this this right here, when he kills Jones, he does the brain-melting thing like, like he does. But yeah. this is the first time that you see his eyeball eyeballs go red. And I, I don't know. I, oh, I don't yeah, know if we yeah, really yeah, dude, mentioned sorry. it um, before. But whenever the creature, like, kills you, first off, the, the original creature, the original body, only had one eyeball. Like, the yes. rest of his face was kind of decayed. Um, here he obviously has both. But it, before, when it was the creature doing it, you're like, okay, that, it's just a mask, whatever. But here, it's actually the actor wearing prosthetic eyes over his eyes. And guys and gals, this is 1972. I don't know how they make these eyes actually glow with light because I can't tell. You can tell that they're kind of a little bit further off of like where his eyes would be. But they're not so far off that I can conceive of how they could put light bulbs in there. You know what I mean? Because the light comes from within the eyeball. Um, but this yeah. is like 1972. There's no LED back then. So that means they had to take just the smallest bulbs and put them against this guy, this actor's eyeball, essentially, and probably run wires uh, uh, out the side, you know. But bottom line, however they did it, it, it looks amazing. Even by 2020 standards, yeah. these special effects look fucking amazing. His eyeballs fucking glow this is not cgi people this is practical effects yeah this is this is honestly this is the part in the in the movie when i was a kid that terrified me it wasn't the monster that terrified me it was it was his uh the inspector's glowing eyes i can totally see that and and i remember as a kid just being freaked the fuck out because it's so creepy um yeah it's clearly makeup and 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 it's padding and however they did it it's they did a phenomenal job and that's what just adds to the creepiness factor because yeah he's he's just so terrifying it's that those double red eyes mm-hmm. with that kind of yeah that that are like slightly out from the eyeball socket it's so fucking cool and that this this scene specifically is like worth the price of admission for me up and up until this point when this happens you're like Oh my God, this is amazing. And um, clearly it's amazing for the monk because now he's enamored with the inspector slash thing. And he <laughs> brings the, the eyeball of the monster uh, of the, of the, of the, the Neanderthal. Link. Yeah. The Neanderthal link. thing. And the, and the, and the inspector just drops it into a fire, like a little, like a burning uh, oven or whatever it was like the, yeah, the, the the heater for the, the, heater. Yeah. For the car. And, and like, I love how, oh, like, okay. the, the fire was, like, a normal little fire, and then he drops the, the, the eyeball in there, and, yeah. like, the fire goes up. And I'm just – I was wondering if that was on purpose or, like, whatever that fake eyeball was made out of was highly flammable because the, the flames just they, – they shoot up. And the they shoot out. Yeah. has no they, problem. He just closes the lid and moves on. But I'm yeah, like, they, oh, my they, God. <laughs> that's a lot of fire, guys. Yeah, he, he – yeah, he just moves on and you're like they probably were at the same time he's felt like oh shit i'm glad i didn't catch on fire <laughs> uh but yeah after this happens 
uh, Saxton and Wells and the Countess walk in and uh, they, they see Jones on the ground and the inspector's like, you know, we, we have to stop. We have to make sure this tra- no one gets off this train and like lock down the train because at this point they don't know that he's put his hand back in his pocket. <laughs> yeah, conveniently his hand's in his pocket again. <laughs> yes, and uh, and he says, you know, stop and kill or shoot. Uh, what does he say? Stop and shoot anyone who tries to get off the train. Um, and Saxton and Wells are like kind of wondering who killed Jones. And uh, and then the inspectors, ask, he asks them if they know <laughs> who killed Jones. You know, he's trying to play dumb. Yeah. Um, and then right after that, the the conductor who kind of orders the train to stop, I guess. Is that what he, that's his job? Well, uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that was writing the note or whatever oh, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to the next station. So here's here's another pothole that I couldn't kind of track. So yeah. he's writing something, like he's typing something up, and I guess he's going to send it. Or maybe maybe he already did. Maybe that was something he already sent through the, the Morse code. But um, the inspector comes in and crumples it up and then does his thing. But, like... In a few minutes, the, the the station is going to get an indicator that the train's coming and and, and it's going to stop or whatever. They don't really explain why the train stops unless unless he'd already sent the inform like he already sent that note through and that's when the inspector crumpled it up. But yeah, yeah. I was I I'm with you. It was a little bit loosey goosey in the plot right here. But yeah. the the takeaway is, is that uh, the 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 conductor guy or the head of the train he's got his little office area and uh, and and the inspector crumples up whatever that paper was and then turns the light off and turns around and his eyeballs are glowing and <laughs> his so eyeballs you know, are glowing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, his eyeballs are glowing. Because at this point, the director's like, oh, we're just going to run this into the ground. It's such an amazing uh, effect. Yeah. And uh, that's what I'm assuming. And he kills the guy pretty quickly. And then uh, Pajardov shows up and he's he's like, I want to serve you. He suddenly becomes like the, um, you know, the Igor, you know, he wants to serve the monster. And the monster's like pushing him away. And he's like, no, but let me let me serve you. And then it almost kind of reminds me of the end of um, Nightbreed when that one oh, yeah, yeah, priest dude. guy, you know, kind of sees totally. things. So he kind of he, he sort of turns sort yep. of I'm not before he actually physically turns, but he turns later in his ideology. Yes. Um, and it, it almost like I almost felt like. Uh, Nightbreed kind of got that from this because yeah. the Perjardov Rasputin, like he immediately is like, oh, I'm going to serve the devil now. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's just like, oh, okay, because I can. I mean, because now I guess it's the idea is that like, yeah, God is more abstract, whereas this thing is real. It's right in front of my face, so it's easier for me to sort of go with it. You know, if I, if I, I guess I'm, if I'm in the head of um, Perjardov, you know. Well, I think this is a question we'll have to ask Clyde Barker when we have him on our show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Um, but yeah, yeah, totally. So at the, at this point now, he's basically got a sidekick with him, whether he likes it or not. And, and, and he doesn't he doesn't kill uh, Rasputin because he no. he also says one point says um, you've got nothing in your brain that I need essentially, and he just fucking yes. dismisses him. Yeah, like so so the, the creature. I feel like it already has a little bit more intellect than yeah. um, the thing does because you know we've always, we said it before when we reviewed the thing the thing is like 
even though it's communi- communicating with you, um, the idea is that it's it's mimicking uh, thoughts so well and so perfectly that it can communicate, but it's just mimicry. Here, I get the sense that the creature is actually sentient. Well, and it, and this all makes sense too, as 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 other people get killed in this movie, because there actually is a pretty high body count in this in this film. But when he absorbs your brain, he's he absorbs your intelligence, or it is it absorbs your intelligence. So yes. he's absorbing he's absorbed the intelligence of the inspector, who's very smart. Hence the reason he absorbed the intelligence of the lockpick guy, because that's why he was able to pick the lock. Yeah. when he's in the storage uh, unit, uh, you he know, got nothing from the leprechaun. He got the, <laughs> he's like, he got the he's like this is useless. <laughs> he, got, he got the whistling from the leprechaun. Oh, that's right. He got the yeah, whistling. yeah, and from the from the and you know it's it's actually makes it kind of in a way. Uh, slaps the face of religion because he's like, yeah, I don't need anything from your brain. You're just a religious zealot. Yeah, exactly. What you have in your brain are myths. And so I don't really need that shit. Um, Because we, and then the person he's about to kill pretty soon after this, it kind of makes sense as adds to his level of intelligence. So it it becomes more dangerous as he come, as, as he, the more he kills. Right. right? Yes. Yeah. Which is, which is such a cool concept. He's yeah. He's as he kills, he's getting smarter, thus becoming more dangerous. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's a fucking awesome concept. Right. So, so now you cut back to Wells and Saxton and the countess and they want to inspect everyone's eyes uh, because they, because they're realizing that they, there's something in the eyes, right? Uh, the, the, the clue to this monster is in the eyes. And the engineer slash scientist uh, wants to use X-rays on the eyes, but they don't really explain anything further than that. Um, mm-hmm. They don't it's, go deeper. He no, just brings it up, and you're a, like, why did you bring yeah. that up? It's kind of a dead end. Like, they, they do the examination with, like, um, a microglass. Microglass. What do they call it again? Um, you know, uh where you, where you burn ants with it? Uh, what are they? What are those called? The, oh, a uh, micro. Uh, yeah, you know, a Sherlock magnifying Holmes lens. Magnifying glass. There you <laughs> go. Fuck. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it's a little it was silly. kind of. I, th- I felt like this this one part was a little bit of padding. Yeah. Yeah. Because it didn't go anywhere. Because they were like, okay, we got to check the eyes. They do like this little cut, like like a montage of them checking eyes, and then they eventually get to the to the inspector, and he's they're like, we got to check your eyes, and the inspector's like. Okay, and they, and they checked yeah. his eyes, and he's like, yeah. "Sure," because he knows he's like, oh, "I'm I'm not going to turn red on you," you know. So and yeah, that's and when, when... It, and when he does reveal, kind of when they do reveal his eyes, it's a little silly because I'm like, oh, "Wait, it doesn't." I guess, I guess it makes sense in one hand, but well, we'll get to that in a second. Well, when so. they they postulate that you have to have the lights off for it to work, I guess. Yeah, but he's yeah, walked yeah, in yeah. on people when the lights are off, and his eyes were not red yet. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I, I, I feel like they added that later. Where I didn't, I never got the sense that he had to have the lights off for it to work. I, uh, maybe that's the case. I'd have to maybe watch it again to to see if it's always in the dark. But I, I just got the sense that he was turning the lights off so that no one would see what he was doing. Yeah, it, we're we're getting to the point where he's about to kill a very important highly intelligent character yeah and he does turn off the lights at that point and that's when you see his eyes and and i think that's when they that's when they kind of added that factor into it like oh okay well that so now you can see his eyes when his eyes glow when the light's off okay sure we'll just go with it (laughs) (laughs) so up until this point now saxton has checked on the conductor or the uh the message guy messenger and that that um the inspector killed earlier and he's gone 
Because he, he threw him out the window, that which yeah. was smart of him, except he didn't throw up the throw the piece of paper out the window or close the window for that yes. matter. He just threw him, yeah, threw him out the fucking window, and yeah, he left everything else there because you know he had Pajardo up his up his Pajardo. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> so now you're at the train station, the Russian train station, assuming where the the, the train was supposed to, the train will be stopping. Yeah, and you're about. I think I wrote. Uh, I think like over an hour into the movie. And now finally Kazan is revealed. And who is Kazan? But Telly motherfucking Savalas. <laughs> motherfucking Savalas. Yeah. He comes in like at zero hour at, in the third act. He, I mean, we, there's only like 16 minutes left in the movie at yeah, this dude. point. There, there's a lot that is going to happen and it ramps up really quickly. But Telly Savalas is, is the third act is basically, uh, is when he comes in and boy, oh boy. Buddy boy, he. I think the first thing out of his mouth is he asks if he he asks um, the train conductor if he's a believer in the devil. Well, first of all, he's like sleeping in like a cage or something, some yeah. weird like uh, a cell with a woman, and and everyone's covered from head to toe in like warm clothes, and he's like shirtless underneath his military jacket. And he's supposed to be a Cossack, which is, I guess, a Russian soldier. Uh, But like a real, I think a real badass Russian soldier. Yeah, like, I guess the equivalent of what the KGB is now, right? And uh, I I think so. And so, and but he's got this full-on, like, you know, New York accent kind of going on. (laughs) So badass. Like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to talk the way I talk. And it doesn't even matter because he's so fucking badass. Yeah, yeah. And I think he says, you know, he says, are you a believer in the devil? And then he says, the devil must be afraid of an honest devil must the devil must not be afraid of an honest Cossack, right? Or something like that. And you're like, oh, shit, this guy's ready to tear some shit up. And you cut back to the train and the inspector is asking the scientist engineer. Uh, well, so he the engineer is in his train is in his room with his wife and they're playing He's playing chess by himself because his wife's passed out in the, on the side. <laughs> I mean, she, and she's like passed the yeah, it's like, fuck out. Did he drug her or some shit? So I she, know. He, she's out and the inspector walks in on him and the inspector asks the engineer uh, if he's like, can gravity be overcome or something? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. He's like, he's like, do you know how to measure gravity? And the engineer was like, what? And he's like, can, can we, can you overcome gravity? Yeah, and, really I, cool. I, and I found this to be just so interesting because so, mm-hmm. so this creature that's inside the inspector, he wants to get off the planet, just yes. like, just like the thing. And, yes. uh, but the cool thing is, this is fucking 1906. Yes. It's not 1981 or 1982. So like we have not been to the moon yet. Like this is all on the ver- like we're we're years away from any kind of rocket stuff and everything. But you know the engineer mentions that like you know we're we're close to basically cracking that. But I love the idea that this creature is stranded on this this planet and just cannot get off the planet. You know like at all. And he's been here for forever. But I love the fact that he. He just comes out and he's like does anyone know how to do this you yeah. know and he because because this guy is clearly the smartest guy out there and he revealed in and the engineer's like uh basically says like well if uh, the, yeah there's a way or something like that and after he says that he turns the lights off 
and reveals his eyes and he kills the engineer, unfortunately. Yeah. Wah, wah. Yeah. Uh, but but good for the monster because now the monster is smart as hell, you know, <laughs> and it's absorbed all that. I love that scene, too, dude. It's, it's such a great moment because you're like, this thing is so like this. This script is so much smarter then it led on to be you yeah know, at this point i mean dude imagine me imagine me uh, like like i don't know 45 minutes prior yeah. thinking thinking how silly that this creature knows how to pick a lock and then now i'm watching it you know with like 15 minutes left in the movie and i'm like a fucking genius I'm like this is awesome and then you know I, when i watched it a second time today i was like yeah this all of it makes sense now like it, it's not stupid the whole him picking the lock thing i'm like fucking totally makes sense and i love the fact yep. that they that they let me as the audience sit with it until it got revealed you know they didn't they didn't do any anything to make me not think that this was stupid and then yeah sorry that's to me that is the the director being confident in the story that he's telling that to me is john carpenter like that's what john carpenter does yeah where where he lets you figure he doesn't overly explain shit to you no Uh, or if he does you're like oh yeah i knew that already you're you're in on it yeah, and that's and that's why you know, freaking almost forty years later, and we're still trying to figure out everything about the thing, you know. Because yeah. and, and a lot of it is just it's whatever you think it is, you know. There's and no think, right or wrong answer. And I think at this point in this movie, Horror Express, watching it this time around, and even Diallo and I were saying this to each other, we're like, this is this is really good. This movie's a lot better than. I expected and I was and I'm watching him going, I hope Corey likes this movie as much as I do right now. (laughs) Clearly you do. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) So after that, the inspector goes to Saxton's room. um, And and this is this is a cool moment, too, because, you know, this at this point, but it's it's more a little like it's just like fleshed out for you. And Saxton is explaining that the monster came from another planet, uh, that the that the. Neanderthal was only the host body, which we already know. But again, the fact that he's explaining it's pretty cool. And then Wells shows up with a fucking rifle, mm-hmm. and uh, and and Saxon's surprised. And Saxon and Wells goes, "We're British, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not taking any chances on this thing. I'm going to def- defend myself." Because now that we know the engineer's dead, but uh, the wife didn't know what happened because she was sleeping the whole time. She must have been drugged, right? Yeah, yeah, because she didn't hear any of it. So yeah, exactly. It, it was. It's a little weird that she slept through the demise of her husband. Yeah, yeah. And at this point, it's now revealed that the 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 lights must be turned off to reveal like the monster. Uh, I, I I'm trying to remember if if they really like kind of ex- how 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 they got to that point. Oh wait, no, he must uh, uh the the wife must not have known that uh, he was killed because the lights were off. Right. Yeah. And and so they're like, oh, we got to turn off the lights to figure this out. Pajarda brings the inspector into the count's room uh, and and he wants to know about uh, like steel, like because the count knows something about like well, the, yeah, the 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 count. He he deals in steel or something like, like yeah. that's that's his thing. Um, that's where he makes all of his money. 
And which, again, it's awesome because it goes back to 1906. Like, that's totally like an old school thing. Like, oh, I deal in steel, you know. Yes. And, uh, and, and you know, steel is, is a formula. You, you create steel. And, you know, that's his thing. It's like it's in his head is the formula. I don't remember if this is the scene he says it or if he says it earlier in the movie. But he says that what it's not that he has the steel. Everyone wants the steel. But what's more important than that is that it's in his head. And yeah. now the inspector's like, okay. And so they never come out and say it. But basically, the creature is trying to build a spaceship and trying to figure out a way to yeah. to, to build a spaceship now because he and, and because he wants now oh, and he's like he has something about steel and then you find out that steel actually gets stronger under yeah. under high pressures and, and heats and everything. Um, so and I did I think they implied that maybe the the. The planet that he was wanted to go to was hot or something or whatever. Yes. But but the point is is that I love the fact that this creature is just now gathering knowledge on how to get off the planet. And they never come and beat you over the head about it. You kind of just have to piece it together yourself. Yeah, and I and I love that like he's yeah, he's got everything he needs now. All the pieces are in place and, and he's and you get the sense that he's about to kill the count, but then the train stops. And Kazan gets on board with his crew, his crew of Cossacks, yeah. or Cossacks. And Kazan goes straight to the inspector because the inspector's like, you know, what are you doing on here? You can't be on this train. And uh, and then and I love that Kazan is like getting it in everybody's fucking face. And he's everyone's like, face. I will smoke out this, you know, murderer or whatever he says. And uh, and Saxon and Wells are getting hot. You know, they're like they're kind of observing what's going on and like getting into Kazan's face. And Kazan is like, just he's Savalas is like chewing up the scenery at this point, drinking. <laughs> yeah. He picks up a bottle of alcohol and he's just drinking and swigging it, <laughs> swigging it, like gargling with it. And then when like, when he gets into like Saxton and, and uh, Wells's face, like, 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 I think like, like Saxton was kind of like staring him down a little bit. Yeah. And there was another uh, Cossack guard next to Saxton. Fucking Telly Savalas Kazan grabs that guard's arm and punches Saxton in the stomach with that guard's arm. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's fucking great. It's so like, great. It's so great. <laughs> and it's... then he gets into, and then fucking when he starts inve- uh, like, like getting into the inspector's face, like he kind of like circles back around to the inspector yeah. when he, uh, when he starts getting his face again for like the second time uh that's when like rasputin kind of comes in yeah. and is sort of to the rescue you know um but but i love because he starts like rasputin starts like using like the d- curse you you know with yeah, with the cross and everything and i love how the the cossack guards would not go against him because you're like he's got the evil eye and he did he's doing like the the wincing like little evil eye but yeah. i love telly savas i love uh kazan just kind of gets up into him does that like sort of like look in his eye and he kind of kisses the cross and then just grabs it from him and then fucking yeah. flogs this guy yeah yeah the the yeah because the pajardov is like uh you know calling him uh, a fool and yeah and he pulls the cross out and he's like beware of the wrath of satan and then that's when uh kazan like gets him on his knees and just starts whipping the shit out of him <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 and, <laughs> and then kazan asks the inspector uh you know why was he trying to protect you yeah and then uh 
And then that's at that point, Saxon turns out the lights. Okay, so this is what you were talking about earlier, and I'm with you. I don't quite know how um, Saxton got to the conclusion that if you turn out the lights, like his eyes will sort of like it'll. It's it's almost seems like at this point that it was he couldn't control it. Like if you turn out the lights, his eyes would go red, and he just couldn't control it. Yeah, I, I, I mean. There's like, yeah. we, we could totally theorize why these things happen, and we could probably come up with an amazing badass theory. Um, it's, a, it's a plot hole, but yeah. again, it, it works anyways. You know, it doesn't I think. take anything away from it at all. It's no. just, you know, when, when you're analyzing it, you, you're like, okay, interesting. But when you're just watching it, it doesn't fucking matter whatsoever because it's yeah. because now no, like, it's cool because now he turns the light out. He fucking goes, all the shit hits the fan, essentially. This is when it fucking hits it. Yeah, it totally does because at this point now, Kazan just throws a dagger at the inspector and nails him in the back in the spine dude that's the most awesome throw because like when he turns out the the lights obviously so his eyes like what we're just saying his eyes go like immediately red he see you know so he knows the jig is up so he kind of like slashes one dude in the face with his with his fucked up hand but i love because he goes to run and kazan just pulls this huge fucking dagger and does the most nonchalant underhanded like toss into the into the fucking inspector's back you know, and I'm like, fuck, that was cold blooded. But I mean, and I say nonchalant, it wasn't like stupid. It's just like he was like, fuck this guy. Flap. <laughs> yeah. Flapping in his back and then he shoots him. <laughs> yeah. But he runs off anyways. He still yeah. he still gets away. And, at and, that point- and Christopher Lee or uh, Saxton kind of says, well, don't go after him. Watch out for like he tells Kazan, like, watch out for his eyes. He'll, he'll kill you with his eyes. Don't, you know, look into his eyes, essentially. Don't go yeah. after him. Yeah. Yeah. And. And he run when he runs off, Pajardov like is with him and he's asking, he's like begging the inspector to transfer into him. And I love that because Kazan's like, just kill anything that moves. Right. And at the exact same time, that's when the inspector is transferring into the monk, which again, this as a kid, that was super terrifying to me because he, he looks even more terrifying now that he's got red eyes and he's like this monk, you know, this long haired rob zombie looking dude and they're they're going down the train car doors and they're shooting and they're trying to get in and and attack and then they're waiting to attack and that's when saxton and wells are trying to like make a light to kind of shine in the eyes or something like that yeah yeah i mean and and it's you know i mean like this is supposed to be 1906 so you're like okay why don't you just get a flashlight but they don't really have those back then so it's like you have to have a a candle in there you know you have to light it it's like a lantern but it's it's in yeah it's just a a, yeah it's a light so they know that they need it essentially to to kind of blind him yeah but uh (laughs) yeah and at the same time they're back in the train cars like the 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 cossacks are like waiting to attack they're uh, in this train car and then the pajardov just goes on a rampage at this point yeah and like out of nowhere he just pops out of nowhere and starts like eyeballing everybody yeah and this is fucking awesome he's like melting brains left and right like he's just like he's like look at me and then you're dead look at me over here and everyone's like screaming and like he just kind of like appearing and it's it's really fucking awesome dude like he's just he's melting brains that's all he's doing and i love it 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 almost kind of like reminded me something like mcgruber like he's just tearing throats out left and right but it's like it's just pure 
chaos of white eyeballs and melted brains left and right, left and right, left and right until ultimately Kazan get gets it too. And he, then he gets Kazan. You're like, no, no, terrible. <laughs> and I sent you my note, dude. I sent you my note. My note is, is, is Telly Savalas. No, I know. It, he was like, he was there. And he was gone, but yep. he was effective for what he was. I, oh. Technically, he's not totally gone just yet. <laughs> yep, so we'll get we'll quite. get that in a minute. So uh, and then Sa- Saxon shows up looking for now looking for the monk or for the Pajardov. And at this point, yeah, he kills the the count, and it's kind of a grisly death because the count is like sticking his tongue down. He's like ah, and I love this because they don't really. You never hear the person dying. They just show the face and yeah. like the, the sound of the train and the music is heightening. But at, right after he does that, he's about to kill. Uh, he makes his move on the countess and then Saxon shows up with his light. And I love this. I wrote it down, but my, my notes are a little, little shitty here. Uh, the monk is like having a moment where he's kind of revealing yeah. his, his purpose. Yeah. And he's a form of energy occupying the shells of the bodies and he, he got left behind by mistake essentially. yeah he sur- he survived but he's yeah he, he he came with others and he was left behind and uh and he's like the history of your planet is in me he's like you yeah. don't want to kill me you know i'm worth something to you and which is an interesting moment because now he's bargaining for his life yeah yeah no because cool. he's well, he's staring down the barrel of a, of a rifle but yeah, I mean, because I guess the takeaway is that if he doesn't get a chance to transfer you before the vessel dies, he I assume he'll die too. Yeah. Like if if he got shot and and the monk dies and he's in it without any chance of of getting out of it, that he'll die as well. Yeah, and he's like he's and and he's making good points because he's like I will teach you to end disease, pain, mm-hmm. hunger. And I love that because you're like whoa. This is so deep right now. This is such a badass character. Yeah, yeah, a very, very. It's almost as if you could, yeah, talk to the thing. Like, like it, the, this this monster had a bit more sentience to it than the thing does. And I feel like. It, oh, go, go ahead. Yeah, no that that was it. It's it's yeah. It's 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 you could. I felt like you could talk to it more. I feel like this is what would have happened if Blair revealed himself to be the thing. Like he could. To have like a normal conversation you know and ex- yeah before he got more too kind of wrapped up but this didn't last very long because at this exact same moment at this as this is going on uh pajardov the thing is causing all of the dead bodies of the cossacks to rise up like zombies including our good buddy kazan <laughs> who looks really badass with white eyeballs by the way <laughs> he and, does and suddenly now the the, this has now become a zombie movie on a train, dude. Yeah. I, my next note after Telly Savalas, no, two exclamation points. I go, zombies too? I go, this movie has everything, exclamation point. Yeah. It, there, I mean, it's, again, another little shortcoming, but it's not short enough to, to ruin the movie. It's like uh, the, the, the they don't do anything with Pajardov. They just, the Saxton and the Countess take off which is kind of loose. It's like, well, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but it's neither here nor there. They, they split. And as they split they're I think they're trying, they're trying to make it back to the main train car where Wells and the, the surviving passengers are. Yeah. And, um, and as they're making their way down the train cars, they're having to kill these zombies one by one, which is so fucking awesome. And as they get finally to the final train car, they realize that they have to disconnect the train car from from the rest of the train, right? 
because at at this point there's a message that's been sent to the the, the train stations the upcoming train station yeah. to derail the train yeah and how again this was another point i was like who sent that message yeah i i wonder yeah that was not explained either no, uh, it, no. I, I feel like that was completely that's probably one of the biggest potholes i think is that i had no clue who sent the message telling them to to basically destroy the train I, and because they yeah, even yeah. said there they're like that'll kill the people on it you know um, i'm speculating that that kazan might have sent that message if i i mean I'm, I'm gonna go hardware on you and say you know maybe kazan sent a message ahead of time and he's like if you don't hear it from me by exo certain hours mm, mm. uh just derail the train because that, that that would i mean that's probably the best theory you can come up with that that makes sense like yeah if you don't hear from me otherwise destroy the train because something's rotten in denmark here Let, let's go with that because that makes a lot of sense okay i'll, I'll take your <laughs> i'll take your hard hardware thoughts on that yeah, one come on take my hardware thoughts so, <laughs> so that's at this point now um saxton and and uh, and and the countess are in the train car with everybody else they're safe supposedly because uh for now as the zombies are still alive and they're making their way down towards the final train car. And yeah, the train's approaching the, the, the train spot stop, which, which just happens to be a cliff. It just, yeah, there just happens to be a cliff at the end and it's kind of cutting back and forth between the, the guy who operates the, um, the gear to shift the train off the edge. And he's like looking super worried and, the tr- whole train is going down the tracks, gets shifted off to the right to go off this cliff. The entire train goes off the fucking cliff, the entire cliff, except for that one train car, the final train car, which has everyone on it. Because they uncoupled it, like, right in time. which Just was... in time, yeah. They uncouple yep. it, and as it goes over the edge, you see Saxton and Wells and the Countess looking out at it, watching it burn, and... The train cars just go off the edge. It's hilarious because it's very, it's a very obvious that it's a model, but it, it still looks pretty fucking badass. Yeah, it's a, it's a well done model. Yeah, and the closeout of <laughs> it's kind of funny because from that point on, from the final shot is like a uh, the closeout on the Earth, and it just says Fiend. Yeah, it does. It does say Fiend. <laughs> and then that is the end of horror express yeah man yeah buddy that was it's a it's a it's a tight movie time wise but you know there are a couple plot holes that maybe if if the movie was a few minutes longer they could have uh you know fixed but Mm -hmm. none of them kind of held it back this movie was so much fun um i i don't like all the different ones that you've shown me are all I have different feelings about all of them like maybe this one I don't know if this was like as exciting as like prison you know I don't know if I was as pumped up for it but I don't want anyone to take my lack of like you know I was on 11 when I watched prison you know like (laughs) I was like this is amazing but this is fucking fantastic it's it's beautifully shot it's more sophisticated than it has any right to be and it had I had any idea that it was 
was. Um, I liked the directions in places that it went. I yeah. liked the questions that it asked, and I loved everyone in it. Um, and it was it was it was very competently made, very excellently made, excellently shot. And yeah, there's there's a couple potholes in it, and we we brought them up. So you know, and you also know that we kind of you, you just they're not that big of a deal, but they're there. It's it's not you know the it's not a perfectly tight story, but the movie itself is very tight, and it kind of moves along very very briskly, like uh, very fast film. Yeah, it's it's. I chose this movie specifically because I wanted to dig a little deeper into this era of horror because because yeah. the seventies, the seventies and eighties are my favorite eras of horror, and we hadn't gone we didn't we did nineties already we were knee deep in eighties and I thought let's go seventies and let's do something obscure enough that people haven't heard about it and and I love I love going obscure. Yeah. Uh, someone said to me the other day they're like. Uh, it might have been it might have been the Friday Five guys, and they were like, "Yeah, you always come up with these kind of weird, random, uh, deep dives into things." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's just the way my brain works, you know." I and 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 this movie just stood out. It's been it's been in me for so long to want to talk about, and this was the first opportunity where I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to jump on this movie. I hope Corey likes it. Uh, I hope I still like it. <laughs> At the end of the day, I still liked it." Uh, I think it still holds up. The shortcomings are shortcomings you'd see in any 70s or 80s movie. It is not a masterpiece by any uh, stroke, but it's pretty damn close because it's just such a – even though the source material has been used other times, it's it's a really – smart well use of the source material so yeah i hope hope people who watch it enjoy it if you don't enjoy it let us know because i'm really curious to see why you wouldn't like it how dare you and you say it's 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 not a masterpiece but at the same uh, other end of that token it's not like a b movie either it it has so much quality to it 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 really does like ooze quality. I, I every penny is on the screen, you know, like yeah. everything that they spent is on the screen and it's a low budget film and they do a spectacular job with the miniatures. I mean, half the movie, I didn't even realize that the train was a miniature, you know, <laughs> Me um, all the exterior stuff. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, in even it's pro it almost seems like sometimes with these movies that they're, that the problems that they have, any potholes that they have almost tend to, lend itself to giving it a little bit more charm it almost makes it more charming because it has these little holes in it that that they're just like you know what fuck it who cares about this you know like like they'll get past it and we want to tell we're telling a story that we want to tell we're sticking to what we want to do whether or not you know like it's it's the most perfectly tight script in the world and guys there are very few movies that are like completely perfect i mean star wars has potholes like every movie has some sort of little potholes in it when you start like digging into it and you're like okay but how how did this happen and you're like well it's just a fucking movie you know like you just sometimes have to be like it's just a fucking movie but this movie i think what i feel it brings to the table and like where it's its highlights are 
um, is the concept, the story, the direction that it goes, the cinematography. But above all of that is these amazing actors that it has in it. Uh, Christopher Lee is amazing. Peter Cushing is amazing. Telly Savalas is another fucking level yeah. of amazing. And yeah. then every other character, every other actor, the inspector. I love the fucking inspector in this movie. Yeah. Um, the the is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It just across the board, just so much fun. Every bit of this movie is just fun. And I'm so happy I saw it. I, I, I love it. And the funny thing is, you know, after when you sent it to me, you know, I kind of sent a picture of it and told, you know, Luke, or Luke, Luke, um, Luke, you know, buddy Luke, uh, what I was going to watch. And then I told my buddy Bert, who also uh, shout out to Bert. He's one of our patrons. He's um, a big fan of the show. Um, I, I showed him what it was, too. They both have their own, like, unique stories about this movie. They're like, oh, fuck, I love that movie. You know, and they <laughs> both have these like these like weird stories. Like Luke was like, yeah, that was one of the ones that was always on his um in his grandma's house or something when he was younger. So, yeah. Like had a strong nostalgia for it, and then Bert was like, like he saw it at like a um, uh, a thrift market. Like someone had it had it playing on a TV at like a thrift market when he was like a kid, and it like it blew his mind because it scared the shit out of him. But he didn't figure out what the movie was until like you know like fifteen years later or something, you know. So like everyone has like some kind of story about this movie, and it, it seems like it's pretty important to a lot of people. Um, even when I saw the, the the you know the Arrow cover is its own unique cover, but you know when I looked it up online, I was like, oh yeah, I, I recognize that yeah, cover. The, right the most there. the mostly well known image. Uh, uh, the, the mostly used image that they have, like it's not even really a scene in the movie, uh, like this weird monster holding the countess, and uh, or maybe it's it might actually might be the thief that it's holding. Um, it's like the, a weird monster, like kind of holding yeah. her back or something. And like it doesn't that. quite look like the monster, and her eyes are no. kind of going white. And I, honestly, it might actually be the countess, and they just made her give her white, you know, white eyes, you yeah. know. But yeah, but the I will say this: the the Arrow Blu-ray is absolutely worth the the money. Um, it's it's actually the first uh, Arrow Blu-ray that I own, and uh, the quality, the transfer is absolutely gorgeous. It won't be your last Arrow Blu-ray you own. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Wait till my next pick. Uh, but I will say this: this movie, because you liked it, and because I think hopefully the feedback will be positive, uh, may open a floodgate of of similar emotional films for me. Because yeah, like like your boys that brought up the moments from their childhood. This movie is like one of those childhood horror films. The fact that it's rated R, uh, I think at this day and age, it would probably be like a PG 13. Um, if you released it now, it's it. Uh, but the tone, the tone is so intense mm-hmm. as it ramps up. And there's a movie um, living dead at Manchester morgue. I think it's called. Yeah. I've and, seen that one. I think and, it's got a couple names, different names. Yeah. But yeah. It's got a bunch of different, yeah, it's got a few different names, but, but the final act of that where the zombies are walking around and kind of invading that reminded me of this in a way. Um, and, and, and again, as much as I love the hammer horror films, they are flawed, but, but it makes up for it by the acting, the story, and the visuals and that mm-hmm. and this movie has all three of those again this isn't a hammer film but you could equally put it in as a hammer film and knowing the also the backstory of like what was going on with peter cushing 
and just thinking, damn, like he still turned out a fantastic performance. And Christopher Lee, seeing Christopher Lee as a leading man and like the hero, uh, it's pretty badass, and he's got a dope mustache to boot. So uh, he does, you know. He does. <laughs> so I, I mean, that I mustache this... was awesome, bro. I would kill for that fucking mustache, man. I, you know, we like the yeah. That is like classy. That is a classy, hard to grow mustache right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a nice soundbite. But I will say, I know we don't have like a scale. Maybe we need to come up with a rating scale. Like I get this movie three rotten skulls or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, three out of four rotten, uh, brain eaten skull, severed heads or yeah, four severed heads or whatever. Um, this, this movie to me, I think it still holds up. So I loved it. I'm glad you loved it too. I, I mean, I mean, I saw it for the first time in the year 2020, and this thing was made in 1972, yeah. and I fucking loved it. So I can absolutely attest to the fact that it 100% does hold up, and I give it my full endorsement. It, I totally recommend anyone see this movie. Yeah, go go get it. it it's it's a it's a more pricier. Uh, Arrow release. You can, if you really don't want to spend any money, it's. I think it's free on YouTube, and I think there's a pretty decent cut of it on YouTube. Uh, but give Arrow some love. Yeah, they Let put them, out some great stuff. Yeah, help that help these smaller uh, independent horror labels like Arrow. I think Severin, Se- Severin, Severin. Yeah, films? Severin does stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you might be getting one of those eventually too. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, I'm glad you liked it, dude. And yeah. that's Horror Express. Be from top to bottom, T to B, T to a B. fun fucking movie. Nice. Yep. Nice. Yep. So I can't wait to see what the next one is. And it's funny because this is one of our shortest episodes in a while, but it's just because there wasn't like a lot of stuff to like make fun of this movie about. It's a very tight package that moves I, along very yeah, I well. Think, I, I don't know why. Yeah, maybe and we've we've reviewed other movies that were short, shorter and we've gone longer. <laughs> well, uh, well, that other movie was Moontrap, and then there was a, a lot of things to make fun of that I think movie Cyborg about. too. Cyborg. <laughs> Cyborg went like yeah. two and a half hours. That was another uh, tour de force. But uh, yeah, you know, the, nothing to really make fun of other than paying an homage to uh, why we love horror so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you don't know, if you don't know who those two actors are, better look them up because I'm sure we have some fans that are like, oh, I've never heard of that. So definitely. Then this will be, you know what? This would be a fantastic introduction to yes. Peter Cushing and yes. Christopher Lee. So yes. I recommend it on that uh, regard as well. And yes. Telly Savalas, if you've never seen like Kelly's Heroes or Kojak or something, then you'll also get Telly Savalas too. And I guarantee you, you're going to go down a Telly Savalas rabbit hole yep. after this because I know I am. <laughs> check check out Lisa and the Devil. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's oh, good horror man. Mario That's Bava. Awesome. That's another great uh, horror director. He's done some great shit. Oh, yeah. He did um, Demons, right? No, he's like before demons. Um, oh, okay, uh, but I think uh, uh, I, it's like Claudio Simonatelli or some shit like that. I think the guy did demons is heavily influenced into Cemetery Man as well. Oh, I love Cemetery Man. Spoiler alert: that might be on our our mm, list too. It's a hard so. one to get, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, I would if we do do it, I would want to do it as the original Del Morte Del Moore, not uh, as Cemetery Man, yes. because I love that movie because I'm a big fan of Dylan Dog, the comic book, not the crappy movie with Brandon Routh. But um, uh, <laughs> Cemetery Man, Del Morte Del Moore, uh, 
is sort of based on another comic book by the same guy who created uh, Dylan Dog, and he's it's almost like an earlier version of Dylan Dog, and he, both of those characters uh, are supposed to look like Rupert Everett, so it's great that Rupert Everett played Cemetery Man in Cemetery, you know. Yeah, dude, I, I will tell you, if we do that movie, our, our Patreon uh, good brother... Robert Ortiz is a huge Dylan Dog, uh, Dylan Morte oh, fan. Nice. So he, All right. He, he All goes right. he goes deep down that rabbit hole. So if we if we go there, we, uh, yeah, we might have to consult him a little bit on his uh, on his That's... knowledge. That's fantastic. That's that's great. I got Shout the uh, I got the the, the giant um, uh, dark horse like reproduced all the Dylan Doug comic books in this like giant case files uh, book thing. I have that on my bookshelf. I've read that a couple times. It's it's great, guys. Uh, it's a complete side tangent, but if you get a chance, go read Dylan Dog uh, at some point and, and, if, and check if, out Cemetery Man if you haven't. And if you're a fan of um, you know Anna Fauci. Uh, yeah, just, <laughs> just search that name and see what it comes up, but make sure you clear your browser afterwards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of clearing browsers, Zach, where can we find you online, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Instagram. This is going to sound super rough segue. Drawing pictures of my for my son <laughs> for lunch. Uh, find me on Instagram, Zach Schaefer, and find me on my other podcast, $2 Late Fee Podcast, um, fun trip down retro eighties lane. <laughs> How about you, Corey? You're all those many, many, uh, many, many, many things you do. <laughs> well, they're all podcasting. Um, yeah, the, you can find me on this, po- obviously this podcast. You can find me on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast every week talking about Seinfeld. Uh, you can find me on ongoing comic book discussion podcast with our pal Tess talking about comic books every week. And both of those podcasts, as well as podcasting after dark, as well as um, Friday Five and Talking Back and Blast from Our Past podcast, we are all a part of the Blast from our past network the bfop network and you can find every show every like link to every show every like you know pod bean link to each individual shows and everything all at www.bfopnetwork.com that is bfopnetwork.com and if you guys love what we do over here at podcasting after dark and i know you do then go check out our patreon because this is literally just half of what we produce we have two other shows over on our patreon page that's patreon.com slash podcasting after dark and we have over there our interviews after dark series are with exclusive interviews with People like uh, director Brian Usna, people like like Jeanette Goldstein, who played Vasquez in Aliens, people like Zach Ward, who was Scott Farkas in A Christmas Story. I mean, <laughs> I can keep going. We, we got Diane Franklin. We got Tom Matthews. We got Stephen Jeffries. We have Tony Timpone. He was the longtime editor of Fangoria magazine back in like the 80s and 90s, guys. This is, this is cool shit. So if you like what we do, there's so much more over at Patreon. So and much. All all the, so much more and all the proceeds go just right back into the show um everything to keep the show up and running uh to you know server costs renting studio space for the interviews all that kind of stuff and and eventually we're hoping this year we can go mobile and uh start going to conventions and, and meeting you guys and stuff and you know we're going to use all the the patreon funds for that kind of stuff too so if you like what uh, like what we do consider supporting us there and 
you know, if you don't have the money to drop on it, that's totally cool. We totally understand that. Um, one free way that you can do to help us out is to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review over there. That's still one of the best places for people to find our show. Yeah. And Apple kind of uses those reviews as an algorithm to kind of like put us higher in searches and stuff. So it's it's not vanity for us wanting those reviews. If you do like what we do, they really do help. And if you don't use Apple Podcasts, leave us a review and give us a follow on, you know, whatever podcatcher you use. And we appreciate it. And we appreciate all, all the support, all the patrons we already have. We appreciate all of you guys. Thank you so much. We appreciate all the five-star reviews we've already gotten. I mean, dude, it's it's insane. I, the love that we get on this show, the, the messages you guys send us on Instagram, on Facebook, I, I'm just always floored by it. Yeah, we love it all. It makes us feel really good. It, it really uh, brings a smile to our face. So keep keep that smile big and shiny bright for us. It's nice to know we're not just talking into the void, you know? <laughs> yeah, like we do this because we love it. Uh, and, and if you love it in return, like, and you tell us that you do, that makes us feel really good too. It does. And I, I can really promise does. you on my end, and I know Corey could do the same for him, we're going to keep rocking and rolling to quote Dirk Diggler from Boogie Nights uh, on the content tip. So there is... <laughs> Much more to come in a very big way. And uh, <laughs> I will tell you, I already have the next, because I, I just inadvertently did this. I planned the next three movies that I uh, I mm. picked for myself because <laughs> I, I already bought them because the, a, a certain company was having a sale. Ooh. And I was like, oh, these are really good. And they run the gamut. It's all over the place. So if you like Horror Express, get on that train and get ready for some more podcasting after dark. Bang for your buck. I can't wait to... Next, the next one's gonna be Corey's pick, so that's uh, that's gonna be exciting. Yeah, that's ooh, I got a I got a fun one for you guys. We're gonna go for my next pick. We're gonna go into some new territories, ooh, just uh, like we did for one. this one. Then, mm-hmm. yeah, except ours is gonna be in the other direction of time wise. <laughs> time and so, space. Yes. Time and space. Be on the lookout for that, and uh, yeah, we will see you guys. I don't. I have no outro for this. I need to come up. We need to come up with like an outro slogan. Well, but, I, uh, I, I say huh? catch you on the flip side on two dollar late fee podcast. That's uh, you know that's that's my thing. <laughs> I'm happy to share it on this. Catch you on the flip side or catch you on the dark side. I don't know. Oh, I like that one's actually better because because I do like the fact that we are you know the um the the dark shadow of two dollar late fee and blast from our past. So I like that. I'm gonna co opt that one and I'm gonna say we will catch you guys on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Hello! La la 
la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host oh, hey, Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode, this is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays, and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week, we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. What's up, guys? I'm Tess. And I'm Corey. And we are the ongoing comic book discussion podcast, the place where one guy and one gal dive into the world of comic books one adventure at a time. That's right. You can find us every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any of your favorite podcatchers. So come check out OCD Podcasts, where comic books are cool. Cool. Hey, this is Brent. And I'm Eric. And we are part of the Friday Five Podcast. Yes, sir. We cover everything from the 80s to today. We absolutely do. You can find us every other Friday on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Like iTunes? Like Stitcher. Oh, man. Maybe a little Spotify. Hey, and also check us out on Instagram. Absolutely. So come hang out. I think you'll have a lot of fun, and we will see you there. Yeah, bring your Proton Pack and your Ecto Cooler. And maybe some McNugget Buddy. 